0: Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. We are here to discuss Endgame. This is a part one of our two-part series of Endgame <laughs> episodes. Um, and you'll see why in a moment. I am Jess. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined by your other host, Jared. Hello. Hello. And we're joined by a special guest that you we have probably heard from before on the show at least once. Uh, Shannon Joy. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Uh, Shannon was on our um, Winter Soldier um, Valentine's special (laughs) in a previous life. Um, And she's here to discuss Endgame with us because we have a lot of feelings and a lot of things to say and a lot of screaming to do. So thank you for joining us. Uh, Before we get started, we are a part of the But Why Though podcast community. Be sure to check them out on Twitter at But Why Though PC and their website, butwhythopodcast.com. In the wake of recent fandom news with the MCU, Game of Thrones, Star Wars, everything that you love, there's so much good content on the site right now, so um, be sure to go check that out. We're super proud to be a part of their community. All right, guys. Endgame. Avengers Endgame <laughs> this is 10 11 years yeah it's it's, in the making. it's 11 yeah.
1: years 11. uh 22 movies 21 that they will uh always acknowledge one yeah. <laughs> one that they don't as much this Hulk. one uh Poor Hulk. <laughs> yeah this this one is what uh written by Stephen McFeely and Christopher Marcus they also wrote winter soldier by the way <laughs> oh i think uh mcfeely has written a bunch of them at least, like, like I think he's one of like the more major architects as far as the writers goes. Uh, yeah, and it was directed by Anthony and Joe Russo as also as Winter Soldier and every Cap and uh, uh, and the last two Avengers movies have been since Winter Soldier.
0: Oh man! All right, so let's let's go around the table and talk about our general thoughts. So Shannon first, since you're the guest. <laughs> Okay. Thank you. What, your, what is your like initial like gut reaction to, to this film? It can be a noise, a word, phrase. Um,
2: <laughs> the gut reaction is emotional in the best way, that yeah. it pays off for, like, it's kind of scary to think about how much pressure there was in making this movie, like it had to pay off, and I felt like it basically did.
0: Yeah, I agree for sure. Jared, how about you?
1: I don't know. I, I think that it paid off um, on a lot of different levels and uh, I don't know. Um, overall, it was one of the most fun times like I probably ever had at the movies uh, and just an incredible like on screen experience. It's one of like a lot of things people say you should, or you know, you, so not everything is something important to watch on the big screen, but this is one that I would be disappointed to think like if I hadn't seen it on, on the big screen
0: yeah if for whatever reason you're listening to this and you haven't seen this yet uh, why are you here but maybe you don't care about spoilers that's fine uh definitely go see it in theaters because it is it's worth it mm-hmm. absolutely um I kind I definitely echo both of you like I feel like this hit every emotional note that I needed almost every emotional note that I needed from the characters that I've come to love over the past 11 years and I'm absolutely in mourning now of like all of I'm not going to probably see a lot of these characters again like in in films like I'll be so happy to see cameos and such but like this this chapter is closed and it's kind of sad and this was a perfect end to that I think all right <laughs> we're also so like oh god this film how do we even talk about this um let's talk about favorite moments If we can even, God, how do you even like distill this down into like.
2: (laughs) I have one. Okay, go for it. Steve Gideon Mulnir. Like, that has to be my number one moment. Like that moment is so awesome. The first, well, I've seen it two times. And every time when he catches it, me and my friend Carrie just like screamed yes. And like 10 other people in the theater did the same thing. Because it's just like and i love how thor is like i knew it because he knew that he was the only one that was like someone that was worthy of it as well
0: i love too how it's a callback to that scene in age of ultron where Mm -hmm. they're like all trying to you know drunkenly trying to pick up the hammer and he like moves it a little bit and thor's like oh shit like (laughs) i love that too oh it's so good like That, hands down, was probably my favorite fight scene in the entire movie was Cap with with Mjolnir against Thanos. Like, so good. So well done. Like, just made my heart sing.
2: And then, of course, the main one I think that we're all going to say is just from the point when you hear Sam's voice all the way through that entire fight. (sighs) That was everything. Everything.
0: Absolutely. I got chills when he said on your left, I'm getting uh-huh. chills right now. Just saying it like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh fuck me. <laughs> so good. What about you, Jared?
1: Um, I don't know. There's a lot of really, uh, really great parts. Like in that fight scene in particular, like every time we saw, um, Valkyrie on the flying horse, like going through everything, it really, I don't know. It, those moments in particular, like when she's helping Spider-Man or just when she first flies onto the scene during that massive giant fight scene that Shannon just referenced, it, it just reminds me of like all the crazy huge crossover comic books that I would read as a kid. Like the, the, the first Marvel secret wars where they introduce, you know, um, Spider-Man's black costume that became venom. I think it was in secret wars two, And, and, or the crisis on infinite Earths that like changed everything in the DC universe and had, like all these different characters fighting uh, against someone that was trying to destroy all all these different alternate realities, and it was very much like similar in scope. Imagine the same kind of crossover as this, but like there's five different Captain Americas and five different Iron Man. <laughs> and all these, like basically, like it, it's the same level of crossover, but everyone has multiple versions of themselves, and it it, it, it but this felt like just as epic as those comics did and it felt like it was brought to life on the screen for the first time ever and it was the first time there was one of those giant kind of sprawling massive kind of chaotic violent uh wastelands where i felt like it was earned <laughs> like like i love yeah. wonder woman but uh, i i love uh what what was one of the other marvel ones i watched recently uh it's not one of my favorites i don't love thor too but Thor is okay. <laughs> Both of those have those kinds of fight scenes. They're just in this giant empty space for no reason. And I'm like, why is this happening? Yeah, like, like none of this is earned. It doesn't look like a real space, but this is like, Oh, upstate New York just got super nuked by a bunch of spaceships. It kind of looks like it should. Maybe <laughs> I, I felt like yeah. that chaos and violence was very earned. And, um, agreed. Uh, I don't know, and it was just epic and cool. And uh not nearly as probably ubiquitous as any of those moments that you guys have mentioned, like they were are all also favorites, like everything chance is pretty bad with me all there. And but uh for me, I really, really loved uh when Hulk and Rocket are going to visit Thor. Uh just that, that whole <laughs> sequence, everything about it, the I I love the kinks, so uh when the song came on uh it just it, like uh, immediately when when them singing about a rocket ship came on i was like taken to this to the scene and then uh everything from like hulk's outfit to the fact that the back wheels of the truck that they're sitting in were like sparking <laughs> against the ground because he's, he's like he, he's knocking the truck down so low because he's he, they're riding so heavy like everything about it was uh just really fun and idyllic and then that's where you first see valkyrie return as well and we could see Korg. so overall I, I really did love that
0: i love that Korg is wearing a hawaiian shirt like true taiko watiti like character fashion there <laughs> like that was that was a great moment when he's just like oh we're all fine here god all of everything that you guys have said um I, I really love the um the time travel sequence too when they're going back to get the stones and like every character gets to find their moments and the people that they care about like in their past and oh my god it's just like it's hilarious it's heartbreaking it's like the when when cap is like battling his former self and he's like you know the uh past cap is like I could do this all day and he's like, yeah <laughs> okay. yeah I know like <laughs> and he's just so tired and he's just so over it but he's like man like just give up dude like i need i have a mission and you're like in the way like <laughs> just so good so good there's a lot of great cat moments and the the scenes when he's going back in time are especially excellent i think also i really loved um i was i was cracking up the second time i saw this but when tony is being like sneaky iron man when they're in the tower, when they're in the Avengers tower, and they're trying to get um, Ant Man to the um, to the case where the um, Tesseract is, and they're watching that whole sequence with the, where they've captured Loki, and then um, Hydra comes upstairs with Agent Sitwell, and. Um, when Tony sneaks into the room, he just looks so, like, he's overacting so much, (laughs) and then when he sneaks out of the room, and he just, like, flails his arms back and falls into open space, and then, like, the suit, like, forms around him, like, I was just, I don't know what it was about that moment, but I was just, like, this is so hilarious, like, they're just so over the top, like, trying to be, like, a heist movie, and it's great, like, Who would have Who would have thought that like Ant Man would have so much influence over the very end film? Adventure film. I, I, like, I love that, he, that he does
1: because he's. I mean, those movies and the character and and Paul Rudd. It's like a trifecta for me. Like I, I love love it all a great deal. So I'm I was very satisfied with all his stuff as well. And that those are some of my favorite scenes too, just because he is a really good actor and because of the way those unfolded. Like his return and discovery and just every pretty much every scene with him oh yeah where he has any comedy you
0: know, like, <laughs> is that someone's sandwich like, i'm starving yeah
1: that got the best laugh at our viewing yesterday <laughs> like everybody in the theater cracked up at that moment his stuff with the tacos is great oh, my or g- or in the big fight oh, yeah, scene yeah, yeah. when he's like there's one more time machine <laughs> he hit, hit the button and the cucaracha starts playing
2: <laughs> The other thing that I forgot was my other favorite part with Cap, at least in the when he goes back, is when he says "Hail Hydra" to get them to let him have the thing, the yes. scepter thing.
1: That is one of the one of the the mentions I, I have. Uh later on as well for a comic connection because i felt like that was a nice nice little f you
2: (laughs) i loved it so much for that giving nick spencer the big fuck you and then but also it was just like a great moment that he can use that and walk away like haha i tricked you and he's
0: just like grinning like a fool as he's walking away yes (laughs) I loved it so much. <laughs> so good. I love Paul Rudd in this film so much. Like he is such a good Scott Lang. Like he's just so like starstruck and like enthusiastic. Like the scene where Thor is telling the story of like Jane and the ether and he, everyone else is just like what the fuck is he talking about? And, oh he's god, this is seriously bad. And paying he,
1: attention. And
0: he's like eating it up. He's like, yeah, this is great. Like <laughs>
2: he's so cute. Just so I forget him. what's I forget what scene it is. It's one of the scenes when they're time traveling back and forth and he says like Mr. Captain Steve yes. America <laughs> Rockets. Yes.
1: No, that, that that was one of the best best parts. That when he uh of course when he ha- is when time is pushed through him before Tony gets there <laughs> and oh yeah th- that- i also loved steve it's a baby <laughs> no, everything about that was amazing when at the very henry's like i call this a win but like like <laughs> uh, like so this had some of the best hulk moments ever and like that's another one of the comic connections uh when we get to it the first one i have on, on the list is professor hulk which oh yeah that was a huge part of my childhood like hulk was the Marvel solo comic before Captain America that I was most into. I was into Batman and, and X-Men for a long time and kind of expanded out through, through that. And like I, I fell in love with the Hulk as a kid. And a lot of it was this run by a guy named Peter David and largely drawn by guys named Dale Keown and Gary Frank. And uh, it was in this era where Hulk had been reverted back to his original form from the comics. And in his original form, he only turned into the Hulk at night and whenever the moon came out he turned so into the hulk
0: like, he's like werewolf hulk yeah no he was
1: totally where it was it was full moon hulk he was werewolf hulk and he was gray not green because of a printing error he was always supposed to be green but he, but he wasn't uh they kept him gray for a few issues and uh, then eventually there's like whatever and and he became the hulk that we all know and became anger motivated instead of at night but originally he was much more like a Jekyll and Hyde character and he was dumb but he wasn't as dumb and he was mean and mean-spirited and so this character was brought back and he was called Joe Fixit and he became a mob enforcer in Vegas <laughs> and he was a, a, a bouncer and a bodyguard and a jerk and this was when I started reading comics and it was like, uh, the first Hulk issue I had was a team up with him and Iron Man and Iron Man was in his, his silver and red uniform and or armor and and Hulk was gray and I was like what? <laughs> like, this doesn't look like the pictures I've seen of these guys. And I ate it up, and I loved it. And um, eventually, a character who's played an in Incredible Hulk by uh, Phil from Modern Family. <laughs> uh, what? He, yeah, uh, he's he's uh, the boyfriend of, of Betty Ross or or, Be- or or Betsy Ross, depending on when she appears in the comics and movies and whatnot. But who's um, William Hurt's character, Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross's daughter and the Hulk's long-term girlfriend love interest ex-wife wife wife, all sorts of different things uh but like very much important to him in both movies and uh and and, in the comics as well she had kind of moved on at one point when uh, he's either missing or dead at different points in the comics and the film when he's uh, in hiding in south america for a long time she gets together with this guy a psychiatrist named dr leonard sampson uh leonard sampson uh ends up in the comics becoming a superhero because he is obsessed with the Hulk. He's in love with Betty. And he's a brilliant scientist as well as a a psychiatrist. And he ends up creating a machine that siphons energy trying to cure the Hulk, but it ends up bestowing it onto him. And not only is his name Samson, but it's his comic books for everybody. So it's like the biblical Samson. I was going to say. (laughs) He becomes, instead of a, a meek, nerdy psychiatrist, he is basically Fabio. And his, po- his power is in his green hair. He's totally normal except he's buff and he's got green, long, lustrous green hair. And if he cuts it, well, he won't be super strong anymore even though he's a giant man. Uh, yeah. Uh, but anywho, <laughs> uh, this character is the Hulk's and many other characters. Uh, one of the best comics I read as a kid uh, was an issue of X Factor with a Quicksilver. You guys remember from the Age of Ultron and Mm -hmm. the X-Men movies, uh, Scarlet Witch's twin brother, uh, uh, an issue with him going to see Dr. Leonard Sampson as a psychiatrist. But uh, this guy, he united the three warring personalities inside of Bruce Banner. He united Rage Hulk, Mr. Fix-It, and and, uh, Bruce Banner. And that's what created the Professor Hulk. And that was throughout most of the 90s, that's kind of how the Hulk status quo was for like several years. And they've now introduced that in the films. And like, I'm super psyched for it. Like the fact that that's how Hulk can go forward right now. Like, this is the Hulk I grew up with that I love the most, who's like, Kind of a smart-ass, kind of a nerd, a little bit full of himself, but a, but a, just a badass superhero, smartest guy, strongest guy on the planet. <laughs> it's, he's, yeah, he's super interesting and cool, and I'm really happy that he's in uh, the movies now,
0: dude. I love Professor Hulk so much. Like, I was dying laughing when he came on screen. <laughs> and <Especially> everyone's just.
1: <laughs> that scene with him and Scott and the exchange with the kids. I... And, like, the, the point where Scott's just like, just, just take your fucking phone. And I'm like, he didn't, he didn't curse. but Or he a damn phone, maybe. He, he yeah. was great.
0: It was so good. And then the taco scene, too, when he comes. <laughs> I happily and he shares tacos with
1: with scott oh just the smile on his face when he gives the tacos to scott it's like it's like he saw it coming <laughs> because he saw.
0: i really want like a children's book series with professor hulk just going around like picking flowers and giving them to people and like making everyone's day better like taking pictures with fans like <laughs> great children's book series with professor hulk well
1: and i love especially like Everybody commented. I've seen you know about how he you know he looked more he looked like Mark Ruffalo before, but he looks even more like him now. You know with mm-hmm. like the mannerisms and everything. But he just felt like a specific Mark Ruffalo nerdy characters from movies when he said stuff like you know like when he did the dab and when he uh, said like listen <laughs> to your mom, she knows better. I was like yeah. that felt like a Mark Ruffalo improv line to me, <laughs> and like, I loved it so much. Like so good. That was excellent.
0: You have other comics connections. I I'm I'm limiting you to 5 to 6 because I know there's so many and we could literally sit here for
1: like we hours could. talking uh, about it. I'll uh, I'll go through them as quickly as I can. That uh the incredible Hulk issue where he first becomes Professor Hulk uh is cover dated at January for 1991, which means it came out in the fall of 1990 when I was a wee little 8-year-old. And that was, Mm. and I'd been reading Hulk for probably about a year. Yeah. And uh, it was an issue, Incredible Hulk 377. And that was by Peter David and uh, Dale Keown. And then the next thing I have on my list uh, of comic connections I love was Sam takes over for Captain America. Uh, That happens... Kind of the first time it happens in the comics is in a flashback story. It was told in a cover dated for April of 1999 in Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number eight. And in this issue, there's a flashback to a story that takes place in what is actually the 70s. And then the story, I guess, would be I don't know X number of years ago because the sliding timeline in comics. But uh, it was. (laughs) <laughs> when fa- when falcon and cap were first partners before he'd been given the wings and that he got from the comics uh in, in the comics from t'challa from black panther and wakanda uh so he didn't have any flying wings and he was just a badass acrobat and captain america's partner and cap is taken out uh, of action in the in, in the stories he's injured temporarily and so falcon wears the suit and he is captain america for the story they're, they're fighting a group of uh of white supremacists and he's uh pretty badass and uh, then at the end of the story, Cap is healed and he gives the costume back. And then uh, in more modern times, when, when Steve is aged to being old again, uh, he gives the mantle to, to, uh, to Sam. And that was in cover data of December 2014, Captain America, volume seven, number 25. This is following uh, the same volume, if six issues before um cap had been aged to like being in his 90s early hundreds because he had the super soldier serum removed from his system uh and so by a villain called the iron nail uh so yeah they don't yeah don't worry about it sometimes sometimes they don't try uh (laughs) and yeah that's i mean that's a rad comics connection the fact that uh Falcon gets the shield was another fantastic moment and something that like, I didn't notice the first time that I watched it I I blame a lot of it on my awful angle. I watched that the first time the very front row in the center. So I was looking straight up at the thing, but I noticed more in the second viewing that before he gives the shield to Sam, he turns back and looks at uh, Bucky and Bucky nods at him. And I thought that was very significant. And like both because of in the comics, he did replace Steve briefly before i mean for a few years before Sam did, and I feel like on some level you know that's a uh both a shout out to their friendship but also a shout out to to him you know making sure like like you, you know if this isn't about like Bucky not being good enough or whatever it's just not the same he he's not the same as uh, cap or as sam i think and i, I honestly agree with that I think it feel like it was weird for a guy who. While he's well he's great and stands for a lot of stuff cap stands for like I just don't see it being something Bucky can really handle in the same way because of the trauma he's gone through like I don't I don't feel that Bucky's not worthy of being cap America but I feel like Bucky would never want to be and it was it was a point of the story when he was it wasn't something he felt super comfortable doing
2: yeah I, I always I always thought it was really weird that in the comics they made him cap because he doesn't like cap being cap. <laughs> He doesn't like. He doesn't really like seeping cap that much, so it's like, why would he? He wouldn't want to do that. And then, plus, after all of the trauma and stuff, dude right. just wants to rest. He doesn't
1: need to do add on more. And I think that's like a failure of capitalism. Like a, it's a really good example of it because in the way the story is pitched by Ed Brubaker, like, like, and this is super frustrating to me too as a long-term comic reader when they introduced it at the time because the way it was pitched by him was it was supposed to be like six month story where you thought Steve was dead following civil war and, uh, and Bucky replaced him for six months in the comics. And they were like, this is gonna be too big a deal. The news outlets are making a big deal out of it. And, and we think it could be a really good story. So he stretched out to two and a half years instead. And, for six months, Bucky doing this when he's stressing out when Steve's gone in the middle of everything following Civil War, I could see him filling in for the role temporarily, but stretching it out for two and a half years in real time felt really just like forced to me. And like they were just sticking with it because it had, you know, headlines on, on the internet. And I think that that's the crass and maybe cynical reason for it. but I think it's the real reason why they did it. And it, it, I don't think that always yields the best stories. I think a lot of it was just like treading water because – Yeah. In the story now they say all that took place over six months, (laughs) but we lived through it in real time as readers. And I knew, I knew for a fact, everyone who'd read comics knew for a fact that Steve wasn't really dead, that they knew he wasn't really dead, but they never planned him to really be dead. And they all like Joe Casada, the then editor in chief went on the Colbert report, gave him the shield and said that they absolutely positively were totally serious this time and meant it. He was never coming back. And then when they did the reveal, he admitted that they'd lied and was like, we fooled you. We tricked you all. I'm <laughs> like, that's not a trick. You're just a liar. You're not tricky. You're not clever. You just <laughs> lied just to people. Terrible. <laughs> honestly. It's technically false advertising. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I found it very frustrating. It was just that like,
2: Like toes the line between trying to trick your fan base into just being cruel to them.
1: It is. And it's just trolling. Like, like Jonathan Hickman, who had a really significant run on, uh, Captain, Amer- not Captain America uh, Avengers and Fantastic Four and is taking over the X-Men for Marvel now after taking several years off. He, uh, he, he uh, when he was writing Fantastic Four, killed off uh, the Human Torch, also Chris Evans. <laughs> 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 and, and when he did, like people asked, like, he's not really dead. Is he? he goes, listen, the characters believe he is dead. He's like, Johnny, you know, Johnny Storm existed before I existed. Like the Fantastic Four are going to outlive me. He, of course, he's not really dead. But in the purposes of the story, his family believes he is, and that's the story I'm telling. And so he was missing and presumed dead. And that's and I was like, because he was honest, I loved that story so much more. When I'm like, I, well, I love the fantasy Four. I'm half the fan of Johnny Storm that I am of of uh, Cap. And it's like I had zero interest in that while it was going on. It made me, you know, I was still reading them and buying them. It just made me like really apathetic towards Captain America at the time as one of like. As, as someone who like loves him is like, he's one of my very favorite characters. So I'm I'm totally with you, Shannon. It didn't make sense or add up for, for Bucky, for me to be, to be cap as long as he was. So this is, makes a lot more sense for in the context of the films when Chris Evans isn't going to come back to pass it along to, to Sam, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, also we have a black man as captain America, which is fucking yep.
1: amazing. A- absolutely. And I hope that, uh, that they actually, you know, follow through with that in in the films that it isn't something like the next phase, you know, that's just, that that's just on Disney plus or whatnot. Cause I, I I know that they already announced each other logo for uh, the Falcon winter soldier series. And I'm hoping that that's just what it seems like it would be, which would just be a six episode based on the, the news we got from Elizabeth Olsen about WandaVision, (laughs) that it would be a six episode series uh, with six hours segueing, Falcon into becoming Captain America. And it would end with potentially a both, you know, Sam Wilson colon Captain America movie, or and also potentially a Winter Soldier movie. Yeah. There's no reason we can't have both of those go into full-on franchises. Uh the next uh thing I have on my list would be the debut of two teams, which because we did have two teams snuck in there. And one is in that scene where they're like, How is you know Carol gonna be able to make it across there? Like, oh, you have backup and all these other characters show up and it's all the different women of the mcu and all these heroines which would have been a perfect opportunity for a couple shield characters to appear all right (laughs) the first appearance of this actually relates directly to the guy i was just talking about john hickman because he wrote this crazy crossover called secret wars where they uh rebooted marvel the marvel universe more than they ever have before it's still an ongoing story it's not quite like the dc stuff but they basically can get away with whatever changes they want Dozens and dozens of dead people are back with no explanation is the, the, <laughs> the real long term. And a couple characters, they're like, oh, what? This change no no fans seem to like? Oh, ignore it. <laughs> Just ignore it. Don't worry about Sounds it. Sounds about right. <laughs> and so the first appearance of A-Force is actually A-Force number one, uh, cover dated for July of 2015. But it doesn't take place in the Marvel Universe. It's this pocket universe in a brief period of time that, uh, that there was no Marvel Universe where everything was being sorted out. And uh, when it was all fixed and everything, they did a, a, an A-Force series with this Avengers sub-team or, or, or I, I don't know, offshoot team of Avengers Force. So it's all, all ladies. And it uh, was an ongoing series uh, in the mainstream Marvel universe that, that they formed over the course of the first four issues. So A-Force Volume 2, Number 4, cover dated of June 2016 is the first appearance of them as a team. And it included you know, uh, She-Hulk, Captain Marvel, um, Dazzler, and uh, some other characters who haven't appeared in the, in the movies yet, including um, Nico Minoru, who's a member of the Runaways, who is on the, the Hulu show, which is pretty good. I recommend it. The other uh, superhero team that debuted was just by having uh, Thor get on... Uh... The Milano is sort of enough, but having him actually (laughs) say the Asgardians of the Galaxy makes it the (laughs) on-screen debut of the Asgardians of the Galaxy, which debuted uh, cover dated November 2018 as their own series and uh, included a version of Valkyrie from the comics, a character named Angela, who's the sister of Thor and Loki, um, a character named Thunderstrike, who's based on an old ally of Thor's son. And uh, also a character named Throg, who is a man who is turned into a frog version of Thor. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. <Fuck. laughs> oh, off again in Throg at some point. It's pretty great. Next on the list would just be a, a few things from 1970. 1970, when they go there, you see in Ant Man's uh, lab, in Hank Pym's lab, an old silver helmet that is exactly like it is in the comics. It's awesome. And uh, it's from Hank Pym's second appearance and the first appearance of Ant Man in tales to astonish number 35 is cover dated for september and it is 1962 uh interestingly enough hank pimp first appeared uh, like nine months before in just a crazy sci-fi story where he shrunk and was like that was awful (laughs) when he when he gets back to normal size it's like honey i shrunk the kids (laughs) when he's just one dude and when he gets back to normal size he throws away the (laughs) pen particles but then like six months later when superheroes were around kirby and lee remembered that they'd created them and they're like hey why don't we just use that guy as a superhero (laughs) and they brought back the same guy gave him a (laughs) silver helmet and a red jumpsuit and a man was born there's a couple other cool 1970s moments or things one worth mentioning is uh steve's outfit it says roscoe on the name tag uh roscoe simons replaced steve in the 70s in the 70s, in the comics, he becomes Nomad for a while, the man without a country. And this dude uh, named Roscoe Simons, who's just a regular dude who wanted to become Captain America and like loved Captain America. He uh, ended up becoming uh, Captain, Captain America. He was a mechanic, a high school dropout, but ended up wearing the suit, trying to fight crime, wouldn't give up. And because of his determination, Falcon uh, took him under his wing and he ended up dying and inspiring Cap to resume the mantle of Captain America during the course of uh, the Nomad story. That's cool. Yeah, it's, it, it is. It's a nice little shout yeah. out. He appeared from 1974 uh, to 1975 in the October issue of Captain America 178 through the March of 75 issue 183 when he died. And he's created by Steve Englehart and Sal, Sal Buscema. And then the other one, uh, I can't find a date where it, f- anywhere uh, where he first used it, but the bumper sticker on Stan Lee's car for that cameo. Yeah. In 1970s as Nuff said and that was one of his many catchphrases at, at Marvel. When he did like the the editorial pages at the back, he would say "Excelsior, face front true believer" was one. <laughs> he called people true believers. Like his, his his like call to arms, his Avengers assemble of fans was face front true believers and he would say at the end of every one he would say "Nuff said." Oh, that's cute. It was nice. It, it's kind of amazing that that's his last one too. Uh, it says, says enough said and we see him on screen and it's just nice too. that He was always an advocate, you know, during that era, literally when cat became nomad, it was because Nixon was a snake and all this stuff. Like, like, like they were against the war. So him doing the make love, not war is kind of awesome as well. It's yeah. a nice little shout out to the fact that uh, Marvel comics did subtly do what they could to try and speak out against it while not appearing unpatriotic or whatever. And, getting in trouble at the time yeah and you guys already mentioned the, my last one which is steve holding mjolnir and the also the fuck you of the uh the um hail hydra yeah <laughs> my, my my last uh, comic connections that really jumped out at me uh the hail hydra moment uh where he says it earnestly because it's an evil duplicate captain america that we swear is the real cap swear 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 oh no it is an evil duplicate it's another one of the fake outs that's not a fake out or clever at all
2: I have a like a little story with that. Is that okay to tell?
1: Oh, uh, sure. Let me. Uh, I was going to say that it uh, came out in um, July of twenty sixteen and was called Captain America colon Steve Rogers number one. But I can go through the different Mjolnir stuff right after your story. Sure.
2: Well, it's just more of like an example of how badly timed, I guess, that comic was. Or like, I don't understand why they did it then because it came out like right after Civil War. And so I was excited and wanted to get into the comics. And that was the first one that came out after that movie. And the first thing in it is that Cap is now a Nazi. And yeah. I, it made me never want to read any of their comics ever again. And it was really dumb. Like, why did – I will never understand why they had that one come out right when they had everybody's attention, when a Captain America movie had just come out, and they could gain so many new fans.
1: No, I'm with you. I, I feel like the – just in general – the hiring of Nick Spencer, like a lot of stuff's been scrubbed off the internet at this point, but I think because of his connections to Marvel. But you can find stuff like the guy is like wanted in his in his hometown. When he was like oh, just out of college and he was in his early twenties, he bought a bunch of bars and like basically like there's all sorts of sketchy, like Racial profiling, shit, like basically, like like he he pulled all sorts of connections, scam people out of money, owed tons of people money. He's a scumbag and and did all sorts of under underhanded, shady business stuff when before, long before he started working in comics, and was just like a, a literally a con man and what like the fuck. <laughs> I don't understand. And, and bottom line, some of his comics are pretty good, but none of them are, like, great enough to justify it to me. Like, it's like I could understand really, like, wanting to make it work with someone who is shady or sketchy or whatever, if they were, like, the greatest artist of their generation. But he's not. He's a mediocre white dude who's rich and a jerk and literally a criminal. <laughs> and
2: I, I picture them being like, oh, let's make, like, the most wonderful, nice, like, good – pure person and make him like an anti-hero i just wanted to like punch them in the face
1: <laughs> well and I, I knew from the beginning just like the death that they were going to reverse it and they always were it turned out to be the cosmic cube had created a duplicate version of him because the cosmic cube had been pr- personified and was being like, like raised as a human like human-like child and at this point uh you know, they were indoctrinated into HYDRA, so they thought they were doing what they should be doing and changed reality and all this junk. But it's like this was literally so telegraphed. If you'd ever read a Captain America comic with the Cosmic Cube, if you'd ever read any of this stuff, everybody saw this coming, called it out. They said, no, you don't see it coming, and then told that exact story. It's like they're not clever. They're, uh, it's very frustrating when they tell a predictable and offensive story and then pretend it's clever uh actually related to that i'll get i'll get to how it directly relates to that awful story but mjolnir there's a history of captain america picking up mjolnir in an issue of thor uh, thor number 390 uh by tom defalco and ron friends cover dated for april of 1988 uh when when he was the captain this was another period of time when he had given up the role of captain america he's wearing a suit that would later be adopted by a character called u.s agent uh It's preposterous. The government takes back the name of Captain America and gives it to a conservative military kind of asshole named John Walker, who ends up becoming a begrudging friend of Caps over time, but is very much like just a gruff jerk. He's kind of like uh, Talbot on Shield. (laughs) But he, (laughs) uh, yeah. But, but, oh, he would be amazing as him. But like, he is this like gruff, angry, like very short tempered and and kind of judgmental and stereotypical southern white jerk and eventually because it's comics they gave steve this really cool red white and black costume he took the a off his his uh, mask and it changed a little bit and he, and he has this pure pure silver like un uh, painted version of his shield that was given to him by uh, black panther like directly by t'challa so he just has this pure vibranium shield and he became the captain And when the storyline was over, they wanted to keep using this other character, even though they they restored Steve to being Captain America. So they literally just swapped costumes and gave him the admittedly cool codename of U.S. Agent. And uh, they kept that character around. But the the first time that Steve wielded Mjolnir, he was not in the Captain America costume. He was the captain instead. And yeah, this was a pretty big moment. Similarly, like afterward, Thor basically tells him, like, like, we're brothers. Like, Like, you're as good as me. And I always knew it. Uh, the next time was in an issue that didn't take place in the uh, Marvel universe it was an alternate universe story from what if called what if featuring X-Men age of apocalypse. And it was published February, 2007 written by Rick Remender and drawn by Dave Wilkins. And in this alternate universe, Steve Rogers picks up the hammer cause he's Steve. That's what he does. It happened again in 2011 in the um, December, 2011 issue of fear itself, a uh, big crossover. And this is like a huge Thor like based crossover, and uh, and it cap picks it up in a pretty badass moment, and he also yells Avengers Assemble in this giant like battle. So it's that that one might have been the inspiration for this,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, so good. And the last one is in the free comic book, Dave, uh, for two, two, 2017 issue from Marvel, which was Secret Empire, which has to do with this Nick Spencer nonsense. He wrote it, <laughs> Andrea Sorrentino, uh, drew it, and in this. The Cosmic Cube futzing with reality changed Mjolnir to where it doesn't say who who is worthy can possess the power of Thor. It says he who is the strongest possesses the power of Thor. And evil Nazi Cap, Hydra Cap, picks it up. Oh, Yeah.
0: That's, that's great. <laughs>
1: and then Real Cap does, uh, again at the end, in Secret uh, Empire Volume uh, 1, Number 10 – in the finale of this nonsense drawn by a bunch of dudes by David Marquez, Ron Lim, Rod Rice, Paco Medina, and Steve McNiven all drew that story because Nick Spencer took so long to write it. (laughs) It was getting uh, running late, which it's always when there's a grab bag issue with that many people drawing it. That's the reason why it was supposed to just be drawn by two people, (laughs) but instead it's a bunch of them. And uh, yeah, in it, the, Magic hoo-ha's undone. The Thor hammer M- Mjolnir now has the right inscription on it, and real Steve picks it up and knocks the crap out of Nazi Steve. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be the last one of those comic details. I mean, there's tons of comics things like worth mentioning that I'm not gonna mention that I can't can't think of right the second, and tons that I can think of. Like, there's so many. It's it's a it's a fantastically fun movie just for comic fans. I think. Oh, I too. Bet. Like, like oh there's it's nuts how many how many great moments there are
0: that's so cool i didn't realize that um steve holding milner was from the comics because i am not a marvel comics person except for hawkeye <laughs> but oddly enough that's really cool that was like seriously one of my favorite moments in the film and it's so good oh it like, so it's so rad so good it's so good
1: it was so satisfying for sure. And like Chan said, like, like it, it's super satisfying, but when Thor says, I knew it is almost as satisfying. <laughs> like, Thor is us in yeah. that moment. Like, <laughs> No, that's, so that's a, that's a fantastic, fantastic moment.
0: All right. I know that like comics connections, these are essentially Easter eggs, but I, I want to talk about the MCU Easter eggs a little bit in this film because it was essentially just full of them. So Who put this in the notes? The cheeseburger one? Me. Okay. Uh, I think that, I think we could probably say all three of us. That was an excellent Easter egg. Well,
2: I've put it in just so I would remember it because I've never seen any of the Iron Man movies. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) I hate Tony. Like, why would I go back and watch the movies with just him? So, uh, uh, my friend Carrie told me about the callback of that and i was like oh that makes that line even better yeah i cried
1: oh I, I was bawling i i had just stopped crying at that point because uh when i when i saw the way they pan out over the like funeral attendees when you don't really see the kid until they get to him which is towards the end uh, right before carol and uh and fury but they get to uh, harley the the little boy from iron man 3 which is probably my favorite of them and it, like he's the best part of the movie like, he, yeah. like tony has this huge bonding experience with this kid and when you think about in the context of Endgame game and how tony's whole arc is related to uh his relationship with morgan and his like guilt for the death of or, or you know the dusting of of peter i feel like like and how it relates to his relationship with his own dad. It's like, this kid is really important to Tony's arc. Like the fact that he did bond with this kid who had an absentee father who loved science and gave him this crazy tech garage, you know, and who knows, like maybe gave him a college college scholarship or something. Like he already gave him hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of tech at the end of Iron Man 3. But like this, the, almost like that kid was the final piece of Tony's development as much as anything in Iron Man three or the first Avengers movie was like, it got him to where he needed to be for the rest of the MCU. So seeing that kid there, like I started bawling because he was my favorite part of any Iron Man movie. And then immediately after I stopped, that's when, uh, <laughs> when happy had his moment with Morgan with the cheeseburgers. I was like, God damn it. You guys <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> I just got, I just, stopped crying. You got me going again.
0: <laughs> So, Shannon since you don't like Tony how do you feel about him now?
2: Um, I always go back and forth with Tony but I did cry the only I have a really hard time actually crying but I actually cried both times I saw it when he died because they did it really really well and um, I'm never going to like Tony that much just because that like like uber sarcastic always making jokes character is never it's just not like the type that I like in movies like this Mm -hmm. but he but I still like I like wasn't happy when he died like he did he definitely came around and they made his death um, work really well like you knew it was going to happen but um, and I felt like he should have died in this movie just because I felt like that was like the best way for his story to go so um, I really liked his storyline overall but I'm always like I always kind of think, oh, hey, I kind of like Tony a little bit. And then I go and watch Civil War and I hate him again. (laughs) So,
0: Tony's had a journey for sure. Dude, his death scene when – okay, we all know that I'm not a fan of Gwyneth Paltrow and either are you, Jared. Oh, she
2: did an amazing job.
0: Oh, my God, that line that she says, like, we're going to be okay. You can rest now. You can rest now. Fuck. And I thought, actually, probably
2: one of my favorite things from the movie, even though it's really sad, is how when he actually dies, that there's, like, that 10, 15 seconds of just, like, silence. Like, nobody has any lines. Like, uh, Gwyneth Pracho's character, sorry, I forget her name. Pepper. She, like, starts crying. Yeah. But there's, like, that part of, like, silence before they start playing background music again. And I really liked that because, like... The, uh like the theater that I was in were completely packed and both times it was also like just completely silent during that part and you could hear people in there crying too but I feel like waiting before continuing on with the movie for a couple of seconds just made it like feel more real and just made it hit home more yeah I really liked that they
0: did that and it's like a nice moment of silence for Tony as well yeah. And like everything that this character, because I mean, like who would have thought? Like when the first Iron Man came out, I'm sure F- Jon Favreau did not think that we would have gotten here. No. Like <laughs> Jon Fav-
1: no. Favreau was hoping after after the relatively not failure, but the but the the lack of anything around uh, uh, Zerathura, was it the the, the follow up both in children book form and in film form to Jumanji Space Jumanji. Yeah. It yeah. was his only action movie at that point. He'd done that and Elf. You know, it's like. His career was not blowing up at that point. It was kind of like leveling off. I think he was hoping like, oh, maybe this will be like Blade. It will be a, a se- you know a <laughs> yeah. secret comic book hit and we'll like sneak up on everybody. Everybody, everybody sleeps on Blade. Like people, people credit X yeah. Men, Spider Man. Blade at the beginning of the of the comic book resurgence and the Marvel universe. I agree, I agree.
0: But yeah, like I, like eleven years ago, probably never would have thought we would have, would have gotten here. And just... I was amazed
1: that people liked Iron Man. Like to me, is that kid <laughs> who's like the brother who was least enthusiastic about comics. My brother Andrew, when we each got to subscribe to one comic book as our present, uh, following like a not it, like it wasn't even for anything. I don't think maybe maybe my birthday, and they gave the, my brothers once too because it's following. Uh, <laughs> It's following Batman of 1989. So right after my seventh birthday, we each got a subscription. And, we, and Christmas was not too far after that. And we each got a second book, I remember, after that. But Andrew got Iron Man, I got Batman, and James got Uncanny X-Men. And then yep. you know, the next books we each got, I remember I got Hulk and uh, Andrew got The New Warriors, which had just come out. It was about a kid named Night Thrasher who was uh, one of several black skateboarding characters in Marvel. Like There were like three teenage black men who rode skateboards. It was really oh weird. Oh, my God. But uh, he's actually kind of a badass character. But and then I can't remember what the next one James got. It, I think it was an X Men related book, like New Mutants or, or X Factor. But Iron but Man like, was his comic yeah, that he chose. And and, and, <laughs> and like I said, like my first issue of Hulk, he crossed over with Iron Man, and like the idea that that guy who was like not a popular comic book character for the last thirty years, you know, like now he's as big as Spider Man. Now he's as big yeah. as anybody. Like it's it's crazy. He's the flagship of the Marvel universe. Like that's nuts. I think that really
0: is Robert Downey Jr., to be honest, because I feel like he, I mean, I mean, we, I think we talked about this like last week, like has Robert Downey Jr. been in anything else as successful
1: as Iron Man, like since he started
0: playing Iron Man? Well, no, no. Well,
1: definitely, definitely not. And like yeah. his career had all but gone away. Like, he, yeah. he, he He had all the controversy with the drug addiction and scandals with like, I remember, like, 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 there was the time he was caught in like a hotel room with a prostitute dressed as Wonder Woman. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I remember that happening before he was on Ally McBeal when I was in high school. I remember having a conversation with my brother James about it and him saying, like, someone either, like, like because they, they like, the cops busted him. Like, like before anything happened, like, they came into the ho- this hotel room. I remember at the time the scandal being, like, is she underage or whatnot? And I don't think she was. But I remember I mean, my brothers being, like, someone either must really hate him or really love him to, like... Yeah. Call the cops on him. (laughs) I like that, you know, like, but, but he made a miraculous turnaround. And like, that is honestly, like, that's the part that still bugs me the most about Tony's arc and the way the lack of uh, acknowledging, because they're, they're actually touching on it in an upcoming issue of the comics. Tony has had a, a fall. He's fallen off the wagon and he's get, got, gotten back on, but because he had a lapse in his, uh, his alcoholism, he has to tell Carol he can't be your sponsor and he's starting over. And like, that's like yeah. an important part of both the, both their characters in the, in the, the comics it's kind of ironic that the character who happened to to blow up and precipitate and cause the MCU, the shared universe of Iron Man, and that Carol, you know, the one the, the woman superhero that they chose to focus on first are both alcoholics in the comics. And I get why they're not in on film, but I do feel like it, it kind of sucks because like it was something that was really Interesting to me as a kid growing up, and I always thought it was a super powerful story, especially the way they told it. And it was never a weakness or a flaw, it was just a, something that he had to deal with. Just and was, that, yeah. And he, that he overcame because people do. And it doesn't make you a bad person or, or anything, or, or or anything. It's just a pre existing, you know, genetic disposition.
0: <laughs> and, yeah.
1: Yeah. But uh, no, he's such, he's so good. And there is something, there is some common DNA because of that snarky attitude, you know, that Shannon talked about. That's like not definitely not for everyone. Like, but like, that's, that's the epitome of Robert Downey Jr.'s, like at least his public persona. And I think yeah. that, that overlap, that self-confidence, combination of self-deprecating and ego and like constant just quips. Like, I don't know. It's, it works. It's, it, it, and no one could have seen it coming. Yeah, I
0: think you're right. Um, Do we have any other Easter eggs
1: that we love other than the entire like second act of the film? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The time heist is just, is just MCU Easter egg after MCU Easter egg. The very ending, I mean, with the, with the, the funeral, seeing all those characters, like mentioning, like I mentioned Harley, like that's, that's an MCU Easter egg for sure.
0: Yeah. I didn't know who that was until you told me, um. I I guess a lot of people didn't... Yeah, Amanda actually texted me. She's like, who's that dude at the funeral? And I was like, oh, Jared told me it's Harley. She's like, of course he would know. And I'm like, well, you did just watch all 22 films, so... That's true. All in the yeah. last week.
1: And I watched all the Iron Man movies because I'd only seen the first one before. I watched all of them in the last year. Like I think right before Christmas, I watched one through three and I'd never seen them before. I'd never seen two or three. So um, I think I think, but because I wanted to be familiar with it for this. <laughs> I wanted to have some idea.
0: But yeah, it, But I mean, you had payoff for, for doing that. So,
1: yeah. That's true. So, so, it's, so it's not as impressive as like, oh, I remember everything from 2012. <laughs> like whatever. Like, you no, know, it's... <laughs> I mean, I mean, anyone who's listened to the show and whatnot, I am able, like, I accurately remembered, you know, Brian Van Holt (laughs) from Cougar Town or whatnot, or Eddie McClintock from uh, Warehouse 13 on their S.H.I.E.L.D. guest appearances. So I guess I, okay, I probably could have still recognized Ty Simpkins. That's right. I remember the kid's name even.
0: But Was that that the same actor? Yeah, same kid. Oh, my God. That's wonderful.
1: No, I I literally recognize him. And I think it's crazy, too, like, because... I, I, I started getting my head a little bit about it this morning. I was like, "Wait, did he get dusted?" <laughs> because he does look older, but he doesn't look like you know <laughs> he doesn't look eleven years older. He doesn't look t- twenty, you know, three or whatever. Yeah, but it has been like what six years in real time, so it
0: makes sense. Shannon, do you have any other Easter eggs um, other than everything? <laughs>
2: <laughs> this feels like I'm being sarcastic, but I'm not. I. Uh, <laughs> Bucky and Steve's only scene
0: yeah I love that scene so much though because I mean I'm sure you have thought about this at length but I didn't notice that Bucky says I'm gonna miss you buddy Mm -hmm. the first time I saw it and the second time I was like looking for something I was like okay there has to be more here just because of how Cap's arc ends and oh my god it just like hit me so hard in the feels like yeah he knew him he knows his friend
2: yeah he, he knew he was going to leave and wanted him not to
0: yeah but i think he understood but
2: that's not the callback part
0: oh yeah the line
2: the callback part is makes me happy it's just sweet they say their line that they say in the first movie the other way around um since cap is the one leaving this time but
1: there's there's a lot of that there's a lot of that in in this there's a lot there's a lot of like a dialogue callbacks and i can't think of some of the other examples right off the top of my head but like and it felt super satisfactory like like you mentioned my rewatch but specifically because i did a chronological rewatch i started with first avenger and then went to captain marvel i did these in the order of the timeline not of release like it felt i think like i know it would have been satisfying for tony's arc to start with iron man and in here but i think to start with with cap's arc and end you know with him dancing with peggy was a really nice like way to look at this chapter this phase or these three phases which does sort of segue into our next section (laughs) Mm -hmm. because i thought a lot about it and our friend laura wrote exactly what i thought
0: (laughs) yeah she wrote for the hollywood reporter about the time travel stuff with cap so Time travel and storytelling is whatever.
1: Um, I've mostly figured out a way around it for myself.
0: <laughs> let's just acknowledge that there's issues with time, tr- the time travel stuff in this film, but it didn't ruin it for any of us. Am I correct in, in assuming that? Or did it ruin some stuff for you? Uh, <laughs> it's not
2: ruined, It's not ruined. The thing with me is that, with the like, it's kind of like the whole stuff with like The Last Jedi where people are obsessing over the weirdest stuff. Like, I don't care about that stuff. As like, it, I don't even usually think about it until, unless like something to do with it messes with like how I think a character should be acting. So the time travel stuff, I didn't have any problems with it. And then I got home after the la- the first viewing. And all of a sudden, it hit me that, well, it was after Jared told me that he was supposed to go back to the 40s and not like, I just thought he went back to the 70s. And I was like, so I'm supposed to believe that Steve went back to the 40s and just let Bucky be tortured for 70 years? Oh, that's like, a good point. Is that really what they're expecting me to believe? He not and not only that, but if he saved him, he would also stop Hydra. So I was like, "Fuck this!" Like after that, I was like, "I can't." I Steve would never do that. Like he doesn't care about what's at what he's actually supposed to do. Like he told himself about Bucky two years early. He's never cared what he's supposed to do. He does what he thinks is right. So, like I get that they wanted him to end with. Peggy but that is like a huge thing that's just kind of dangling there and since um and since Bucky and Steve didn't have a scene when he was old you don't really have like anything else there to explain how that could have happened like is there another Bucky out there like there are two nebulas that could live like separate from each other like somehow like we don't know and so you're left with the idea that he just didn't do anything and that just doesn't seem right to me at all.
1: See, f- for me, I wish they would have done just a little, I get why they didn't, because too much explaining of anything would like mess up mom- story momentum from the emotional standpoint. I, I understand why, like, all the stereotypical, no one wants the sci-fi gibberish or whatever, but they also introduced so many things that they then left, I think, open in a way they didn't need to. Because- With the one exception of Loki, which I can even get away with because he is Loki, because Loki pretends to be people, shape changes and transforms. And bottom line, you take take out this movie and just thinking about it up to Infinity War, like up to – even before Infinity War, just knowing Thanos was trying to get these stones from Earth – or across the galaxy, he employed Loki to do so. In the first Avengers movie, at one point, Loki has the Tesseract and his own staff, and he's working for Thanos. So why does the rest of the movie even happen? Yeah. Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> so so, 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 let's stop worrying about Loki and Tesseract making sense. That guy turns into different people, and yeah. his motivations are inscrutable. I can give that a pass. That, and by giving that yeah, a that, pass, it actually fixes everything for me, because I just imagine that Nebula... And Gamora and Thanos and the Black Order and that invasion—they weren't dusted in the same way that everyone was dusted before. That that was just undone because in Infinity War, remember when Vision, uh, when, when 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 Wanda sacrifices Vision and he's unable and he, she destroys the Mind Gem, Thanos turns back time himself and undoes it. The the Infinity Gauntlet. Doesn't operate on the same time travel rules that Tony's does, that Tony and Scott and, and and Bruce's invention does. Their quantum time travel has these rules where they can't undo anything, which means, to, which means specifically, Steve is stuck in a loop. And this is where it gets to what Laura said, and my my particular additional wrinkle that I don't, I haven't seen anyone else say. I'm, I'm sure. Thousands of people on the, around the globe have thought the exact same thing. But my thought was perhaps when he's going back through time, if he's doing it in reverse order or whatever and undoing everything and he, he's putting back the stones in the 70s, he sees he, he, maybe he can't help but check Peggy's office one more time and sees something that makes him realize because it's, as Laura pointed out in the article, why, she's already married at this point. <laughs> why does she have a picture of Steve on her desk and not her husband? Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> He sees a wedding picture and it's him. And he's and he figures it out. It's not he's not he's not undoing anything. He's not erasing someone and taking their place. He's doing what he already did. He's fulfilling the time loop, just like in Terminator, <laughs> where the guy sends back his own son.
0: Yeah. Or sends back his oh own dad to,
1: to make himself. Are you know, we
2: ending up talking about Terminator? <laughs>
1: the, hey, hey, They brought up time loops. <laughs> not me. Hey, just be glad I'm not getting into deep back to future theory.
2: That stuff was like that. Like that stuff I can understand, but it nothing really fixes my problem with it, which is all emotional.
1: But 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 I, I feel like that that's that's the epitome of Steve is to be able to make that sacrifice because he can't change it. If he changes it, time is destroyed. Reality doesn't exist anymore. He is and for him, it already happened. Like like this is not he's not, he's literally just doing something from a different angle, but it was, and in a place he was asleep before, but it was already, it's un-undoable. Un- Anything he does to try to undo it, he already did in the past and it didn't work. I, I, and I think that there's actually storytelling potential there. Yeah. Like, like they could do a story about that, but like, like you could make a movie or a mini series on Disney plus and have Steve behind the scenes during agent Carter and like, He's like, I can't sit by and do this. And something keeps stopping him. And you could even introduce one of these characters from, from Marvel Universe, like Cosmos or Eternity or one of these characters who is like controls the universe and just like, dude, stop trying to fuck with time. Like, you know, you can't do it. <laughs> because I understand what you're saying. Like, I don't see it in Steve's character, but I do see him being able to make a personal sacrifice and and endure that pain knowing he can't do anything. If that makes any sense, like I, I can see Steve being able to exist in a world where he knows bad is going on and he can't stop it, not not sitting by and letting it happen, but knowing that it that it happens, I, I feel like I don't know him being able to accept reality on some level i'm I'm okay with it's 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 hard because of the like never let anyone die, but they're they're already dead to him because he's from the future. if that makes any sense, I don't know. I get definitely get what you're saying.
2: I feel like you thought about it already more than the writers of this movie did. <laughs> oh,
1: I'm positive I am. <laughs> like they just they, they were just like I'm happy with this.
2: None of it, none of how they like set it up, felt like he was making any kind of sacrifice. It felt like he like Peggy was his prize for being a good person for doing everything he was supposed to do. So then he could go back and live the life that he never got to. Like I knew that they were going to do something with Peggy when I saw it in like press and stuff, he mentioned Chris Evans said that um, like not being with Peggy was was sadder than what happened with him and Bucky. And I was like and like the crowd at the time was like chanting Bucky's name. So I was like, okay, so they're gonna have Steve somehow end up with Peggy, because why else would they bring her up like that? Especially when they're talking about Bucky. And then in like the first scene in the scene of the movie when he's in his uh when he's doing his like group therapy thing and he says he like lost the love, called her the love of his life. And I was like, okay, I I fucking get it.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) You guys are going that way. Like it never feels like he's making any sort of sacrifice it it feels the opposite like he is doing something for himself for the first time it's just that the way he did it he like just left he never said goodbye he never said anything to anybody and so it's like I get that that was like their ending and I definitely think that the Russos had that idea in mind for him to end as being like Peggy's husband since they never said who that was But for someone like me, whose favorite character is Bucky and like, I feel like they cut their friendship out of this movie to try to justify him going with Peggy at the end, because otherwise, I don't know why he it was barely even in it. Like they never even mentioned his name, and, and until the very end of the movie, like Tony is sitting there screaming at Cap about how he wasn't there to help him when, uh, when Thanos was fighting against him. It's like the reason he wasn't there was because you tried to kill Bucky, but nobody brings that up. It's so weird. No,
1: we did. You and I talked about that when we when we texted right, right after the, you'd seen the movie. Like I felt, I do feel similarly. Like overall, I have a much easier time with it because, like, even though I love. I love Bucky like it's definitely he's not my very favorite like he is for you and like it's not the same attachment but I think I I don't know like I definitely agree that while I get where Tony is emotionally I get where he's coming from and I even get that in his character that Steve wouldn't say anything in that moment that he wouldn't he wouldn't resent him or 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 throw anything back in his face but the fact that the story itself Never acknowledges it. Mm-hmm. That another character that when everyone walks away, but Natasha doesn't say something to Tony about it. That feels false. Yeah. Because Natasha was literally the one who defected from Tony's side to Steve's because she knew he was right. Well, like, it's like she's she and in this in the course this is the most I've ever liked your character because it was the most I could ignore, but she has Scarlet Johansson. And and I I feel like <laughs> I don't know like like she was so much she was the world's freaking peacekeeper and mediator but she's not going to do it for these people who are her only family that she sacrifices everything for like what Mm -hmm. why wouldn't she call Tony out at any point. During this story i do feel like that's because of the way they did his send-off because cap gets a happy ending and tony gets to sacrifice himself Mm -hmm. like in some ways i feel like i don't know like like you said i i agree i think i probably didn't think about it more already and i think i can make it work without really stretching anything beyond the realm of like like reasonability without breaking it but why should i have to you know they they, they could have they, they told the story masterfully for the whole mcu but with a couple of different edits, a couple different strokes, one less moment of Thor being like, oh no, you're definitely the leader. One, like like thir- 13 seconds less of that. And you could have one second more of him and Bucky. That would have been more satisfying to someone, someone I think who really loves their relationship or just to I don't know, just have the relationship between Tony and Steve be more equal. And they, they, they could have done a slightly better job with, I feel like minimal effort. And they did such a great job on so much. It is frustrating to see something that's, like literally masterfully done but then it was like not plot holes but failings that aren't unavoidable and aren't i don't know at all necessary
2: (laughs) it was just it it was ignored and i it was like the one thing that was ignored out of every other relationship so it was just really weird (laughs) because everybody
0: like they even brought back the uh, the fact that they brought back harley at Tony's funeral but they ignored yeah. Steve and Bucky's relationship that's interesting
2: like everybody else got like a reunion moment like Peter and Peter and uh, and uh sorry I can't remember anybody's
0: name Ned <laughs>
2: <laughs> and like everybody got like a reunion the people who were separated in like a traumatic way at the end of the last movie they all got like a moment like he got the moment that I always thought would be with Bucky which would make sense because of the story of their like that they've had so far with sam instead that was that was the weirdest part and i fucking love sam i love their relationship like their friendship too
1: but i was just like this is weird see i i don't i don't completely agree i feel like they should have split that up because i i feel like most of that absolutely should have gone to sam because sam's the one who's going to going to take up his legacy, but I, Oh no, no, not that.
2: I mean like during, during the battle like that, like it being Sam's voice that he hears first and that they have like a reunion moment. They see each other again and he is like, so relieved.
1: No, I could definitely see that.
2: There's one point. There's one point in the battle where Sam, or Sam, where Bucky and Steve are standing like 10 feet apart from each other, and they don't even acknowledge that the other one is there. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, they've been best friends since they were kids, and for like over 100 years at this point. And the the movie won't let them like hug each other and say hi after not seeing each other for five years. This is, it it was super, it was just like, it felt like it was lacking because you saw it from everything else. And it was so strange that it was with, you know, my favorite character. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like every time I get to the end of the movie and they have their one scene I absolutely love that scene so much and but I always feel really sad when I get to the end because I just feel like it's a lost opportunity that this is Chris Evans's last movie they're probably never they're never going to get him to do anything else probably like on screen. So like they can have moments where they can say that Bucky and Steve saw each other because he is still alive, as far as we know, as an old man. But when it comes to on screen stuff, like that last scene, like was it. Yeah. And it didn't feel like it didn't feel like closure for them. It just felt like it was still kind of left there. And it wasn't what I expected at all. Like, yeah, it was it was just that was not what I thought they were going to do with that.
0: No, I honestly, like, I'm not, like, a huge Bucky fan like you are, but I expected more out of that relationship just based on how they, this, like, the way that they ended the film. Like, it's like, okay, Steve gets what he finally wants, but, like, First Avenger didn't start off with him and Peggy. It started off with him and Bucky. Like, to have that mm-hmm. missing is is very strange. I agree.
2: I don't know. Maybe, like, if there's, like deleted scenes that would help to know but it's but at this point that's all we know that's all I can go off of is off of the movie and even if there are deleted scenes like it doesn't magically fix like what the cut of the movie is like I'm gonna feel like that no matter how many times I see this movie because it's not suddenly gonna change well
0: there is a um Disney plus show coming out you know Falcon and Winter Soldier so maybe that's something that they'll be able to address there um in more like nuance and you know, better narrative um, just because the, I feel like in a film like this, maybe they felt like they couldn't have done justice to it in the time that they had and the pacing at the very end. So I don't know. Maybe. Hopefully that's something that they explore in in the Disney Plus show, depending on the timeline. I would really like to see that.
1: I Well, there's no, there's no way. I feel like the Disney timeline, there's no way for any real thing to happen before. The, the, like the Disney Plus show has to be after this.
0: Yeah. But I mean, they could still yeah. talk, have like a, have a scene discussing the fallout from that or you know what i mean oh, yeah. like
1: well I, I feel like you they at least like shannon and i talked about this a little bit like there's got to be ways they have to have something they have to have a scene where he's getting off the phone with steve or or yeah. where he's just where that's where he's just come from you know it's like spending you know the weekend with yeah. steve his kid meeting steve's kids or something like, like like we need something in that show and i feel like with in mean, the fact that that's their through line those characters are now friends but in civil war when they first are working together they like literally you know this is, when, when bucky's giving sam shit after spider-man gets both of them he's like i hate you yeah Sam's response <laughs> like, like it's it's a friendship that's built on a contentious thing because they're competitive because they're like wait i'm steve's best friend no i am yeah hold on like and they and i love that that's where it has come from and that it's not but they don't hate each other, but they are friends. But, like, Steve is the basis of their friendship. If they don't mention Steve on the show, it's stupid. Yeah. It's weird. I have to believe that we'll get something. I'm not saying it'll, like, fix anything or be super or, – or, or be the most satisfying, but we have to get something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if we don't,
0: they're stupid. On the note of – this is kind of segwaying into, like, missed opportunities, but the, quote, first gay character played by one of the russo's mm, yeah. Good lord.
1: Uh, like honestly my first thought of it even before like realizing that he was gay just to focus on the character as he's starting to tell the story knowing, recognizing him as a russo yeah i was and knowing that he's been in every other movie uh i think maybe both of them have but like they're in all the movies that they do which is fine people do that but but the first thought i had was this is a Shyamalan move because this is too important like you don't put yourself in an important role. And like, that's every one of his movies, his character became more and more important <laughs> until like in signs. And he's like, the, like caused the thing that precipitated the entire emotional arc of the film. And it's just like, why is he doing this? So like, why is he keep making himself the most like, like the God of the fucking movie. But, like, and it wasn't quite that level, but I was just like, this is too much hubris. And then the fact that it is a character, which I read about it. And like, I am glad they included that character. I am. Even though I would like a main character and not a nameless supporting character for Cap's development to be their first gay character in the MCU. God. At the same time, it's like, it's just extra Well, stupid. the
0: fact that like an article came out of them discussing like, yeah, look what we did. This is like patting themselves on the back when it's like, it is a nameless <laughs> side character that has no effect on the plot, and that is their sole purpose is just to be this like mirror for Steve's pain. Yes, and Ooh. it's just ridiculous. Like that is not representation. That is not no, that I is just... not adequate representation at all. Well, and
1: even like like I believe. The intention, like I, I, I don't know that the article, like it could be that people asked them the question and it's framed that way. Like, I, I feel like the patting them on themselves on the back thing, like, could be a little bit more appearance than reality. But at the same time, no matter what, like I did read uh, it as well, and the way they talk, like it's like I get the intention, but it comes across literally like we realized we'd written all of our Marvel movies and we're done and we'd never included a character we felt really bad like we feel like we should we feel like we should have and like but they they realize it too late it's like that that's that's absolutely the vibe I got like like it's like hey you know you guys totally should have you should have been Winter Soldier and then you should have been Civil War and then you should have again in yeah in Infinity War and then Ragnarok and Captain Marvel yeah well well, I mean they don't have the power over all that but I mean they do have influence yeah I'm sure they could have if they wanted to but but, but seriously like they are it's it's like the shit from John Kasdan only not quite as annoying but it's almost it's the it's it's in the same it, it's related it's the cousin of the nonsense John Kasdan was saying patting himself on the back for having Lando and Lando's robot talk about fucking each other yeah uh, yeah <laughs> Because I feel like that guy was a dick about it and was smug and, and whatnot, but it's still it's still this like this weird idea that they can put forth the littlest effort and then afterward be like, well, you know, we felt like it was about time. Well, then do something about it. You guys are the ones writing the stories. Yeah. They executive produced the last you know several Avengers movies. <laughs> like, like, like these guys have power. They, they don't have all the power. They're not going to be able to make Stucky a romantic reality. I get that. That.
2: oh god don't don't with like the, i hate those names <laughs> <laughs> the, i can't do like the thing where they make couples into one name they always sound really weird <laughs> oh, I,
1: I always love them I love them oh specifically with their with their nonsense. And my very favorite, I, oh, I'm trying to think of what it was most recently. I, I it was on some like ridiculously silly comedy where some like dense sitcom character, like Urkel-esque sitcom character. And it was like uh, a character named Josh and like Josie had gotten together. It's like oh, what, are we? You know, what will our couple, couple name be? Josh or Josie? <laughs> it's like the same. same oh my names, god! Because it starts with the same sound. I'm just like, oh my god. Oh no!
2: actually what you were saying there about how they handled bringing like one random gay person into this movie i feel like it goes into something that i didn't that was it's weird it's i didn't know that he that that character was played by one of the directors because i don't know things like that until jared told me and it's even stranger because i'm like is he gay himself and if he is gay himself it's super weird because this movie was like so about straight people and getting married and having babies and and all that kind of stuff and I was just like oh my god like can you make it stop for five minutes? Like, and I get like, that's what they want. And, but it was just like Thor and his mom, which scene I really, really loved actually, but like Thor and his mom and then Tony goes back in time and talks to his dad and just like is apparently fine with everything. His dad, how his dad treated him now, (laughs) now that he's older. And like Natasha is all about like a found family, but she dies so that, Clint can be reunited with his wife and his kids. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, (laughs) like everything is about that. And I don't have that. Like, I don't have a good relationship with either one of my parents like that. And so I'm just like, I was just watching this, like, I don't feel anything right now. And it just kept getting thrown of my face. And I don't I really didn't like that. So when I found out that he played that character, I was like, if he's gay, this makes no sense at all. <laughs> because this movie is very much about like getting married and having children and doing like the normal thing. That was very much the focus. So I was like,
1: uh, he's not gay. <laughs> <laughs> then what the fuck? <laughs> his his wife's name is Pooja Raj. They have two children, uh, I mean, he might be queer. I don't know. And I'm not, I'm not like holding him to that test, but it is weird. I don't know. It's so,
2: that's even stranger than.
1: Like you said, no matter what, no matter what, it's weird. <laughs> it's, it's just, weird. it's just a weird choice. And like, man. I I I uh, marathon all of American uh, Horror Story in the past like six months eight months, and uh, like you mentioned, like how it would be strange for it to be so heteronormative, but like like that show is like a, a several of the creators and like creative minds behind it are gay. The, the 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 like sole creator of it and like major creative force behind it is an out gay man. But like it's obsessed with uh it, with with pregnancy with mm-hmm. mothers and, like, having babies and, like, to a point where I, I, I like, went through a process where I'm like, like, is, isn't this kind of weird? Like, like I would feel like... Would like, like I stopped people. watching that show. <laughs> but this guy's got to have issues with his mom because mm-hmm. otherwise, like, I don't understand any of this. And as I've watched, like, I've gone through every episode so far and I'm positive he has severe issues with his mom because, like, it's about... Oh my it's, it is about the necessity to have babies and weird shit springs from that. And I feel like, I don't know. I I, I don't know that I was quite as heightened to it until you pointed out just how they do lay it on extra thick with with some of the stuff like there's just an unnecessary amount of of uh, romantic angle like i don't know you already have pepper and tony you already have you know peggy and steve you don't need a whole lot more
2: yeah i don't know it just made watching it like every time i watch the movie it's like i have emotions and then they go away and then i have emotions again and then they go away again and i'm just like can we chill for a second <laughs> can people stop going back in time and like meeting their parents or having babies for a couple minutes so i can like get a handle on what's going on.
1: <laughs> and that is
2: very much a me specific problem. I don't i don't expect much other people out there to really have that similar issue, but it just kind of sucked for people who have like more of like found families than actual families to uh because like the story of the avengers is very much about a found family and that really took like a back seat in this movie for the majority of it um
0: yeah i feel like natasha's arc is really the only one that really addressed that and we know how her story ends let's talk about that
2: yeah i oh god um i actually i really liked natasha because of how i thought like she's done well in like the Russo movies, like the Cap movies always did well with her, especially Winter Soldier, but I liked her in Civil War too. And so I really liked her and I really did want her to die. And I don't know how I feel about her dying. And then um, like, I know she wouldn't want Clint to die, but at the same time, it was, it really sucks that she's one of the few that can never come back
0: i know i do feel a little bit better that it was her choice and they did give her agency yeah. in that like she's the one who let go rather than like how gamora was like thrown from the tower and she like was you know you know this isn't love and it wasn't like an abusive relationship thing it really was it's
1: better but it's, it's still, still stupid yeah. and just the fact that it was for him and for his family like you said like Everything yeah. outside of the Russo development, I mean, mostly before this movie, it's pretty much on Joss Whedon. But I feel like, in general, like oh, getting a little bit of Favreau, I suppose, from Iron Man two. But like everything has been in service of male characters for her in those yeah. other films, and the fact that they've at least like, although it wasn't flirtatious, it's more, it's it's much more familial and and filial. But like the relationship that she has with every male member of the Avengers. Like she has some sort of fake flirtation, real flirtation or romance or like deep affection for every male character except for Thor, which also really the only man you're not into is Thor. Come on. It's science fiction. <laughs> like that's just, it's all nonsense. <laughs> oh, oh my man. God. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh well, not great, but I had the one thought that does lead into our kind of last section a little ahead of time. Well, let's talk about let's real quick, let's talk about
0: fat phobia. Yeah. And PTSD and oh, depression. Yeah, yeah, Before we get into the last section, because I feel like this is a huge um misstep. But also they handled it better. God, I feel like there's a lot of that in this. Like huge misstep, but handled better than most situations in films. Mm-hmm. So we we see Thor again. He has gained weight because he was depressed and traumatized from his uh experiences in Infinity War and it's made uh the butt of a joke. He's the butt of he's he is a joke through most it's, of the film. It's
1: at least 5 to, Well and I honestly don't mind that he's a joke cuz most of it I don't think is about the fatness. Most of it is no more and he's the joke every every one of them, you know. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: but the specific jokes, like, oh, what's running through my veins right now? Cheese whiz, like. Oh no, no,
1: yes, I, no, no, the, 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 like,
0: eat a salad, like that specifically,
1: like at least half a dozen to half a dozen to a dozen. I was gonna say are like it's it's overkill. It's way too much. I could have taken no mention of it except for like Rocket. Rocket making one joke I could handle because he's a dick and that's the kind of humor he does, and I love him. But I can, I can accept it because that's literally how he interacts with everyone. But even Tony, it's like Tony making the, the Big Lebowski comment, I'm absolutely fine with. But like no one but Rocket should have been mean-spirited. Like like the fact that Rody made like two fat jokes, that doesn't feel in character. It doesn't – like like what does he fucking care, you know? And yeah. like, like he's a fucking god. <laughs> like, 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 you know, were they all making fun of Volstag and Thor 1? No. Like he was a fat – as guardian god but like he like they're still humans they're still people and like they still respected him as people and the fact that it was treated so much as a joke like i wouldn't have minded that he was overweight if they would have wouldn't have made it like just i don't know mean-spirited and and constant like you said
2: i agree (laughs) (laughs) i am fat so Uh, that those things are always weird but on this was this is kind of ironic but I didn't even think about that until Jared mentioned it because I'm just kind of used to that happening in in movies (laughs) especially movies especially especially movies like this
0: (laughs) see that sucks though like yeah that sucks because it's always that like you know the one thing I did appreciate about this is that he didn't have that weight loss redemption moment like his body stayed the same throughout the entire film like even to the very end like he still has his belly and Mm -hmm. it's like good that's realistic like you don't go through depression and just magically lose all your weight and it's just that easy and now you're back to who you were before it's like all of the trauma and all the stuff that you went through like stays with you like physically (laughs) like
1: well and and i feel like too with the character of thor like I'm glad, like, I'm, it's, it's a case where I'm really glad they did something that deviated from the comics, which, like, the pedant and OCD person in in combo in me, uh, you know, when I first saw Thor was annoyed because they made a joke of Donald Blake, which is a really important character in Thor mythos. Originally, he's a human who channeled the power of Thor, you know, finding out it's actually Thor himself made to believe he's human to be humbled, and he was this man who was uh you know couldn't walk right he had to use a cane because one of his legs was was uh injured in the war and uh, he was doctor and and, like that's how he knew jane foster because he uh she was uh, a nurse and then a doctor in the comics not a scientist like in the movies and so in in the comics originally uh thor is actually this dr donald blake and there's but but there's this power of of mjolnir that not only be able to use Mjolnir if you're worthy, but to transform into a version of Thor. This character, Thunderstrike, I, I mentioned was a member of the Asgardians of the Galaxy in the new comic. <laughs> he's based on a guy named Eric Masterson, who was a, a construction worker who filled in for Thor for years because he was worthy and he picked up the hammer and Thor was done being Thor. Uh, and then recently there was an arc where Thor is on his own and has an axe and a different war hammer and all this. And, and, uh, and he's just Thor again, but uh, the... For quote unquote, of the Marvel Universe was Jane Foster, uh, and it, when you pick up the hammer, it has a transformative process, and you literally change bodies. And uh, because of this, if they had introduced Donald Blake the way he was in, you know, in, in the comics, I would actually see filmmakers being really tempted to do that, like you said, just like the weight loss has is- part of a physical representation of redemption moment. Yeah. I feel like they would have been really tempted to do a magical weight loss route. If you, in other times he picks up the hammer and changes exactly, changes from one actor to another. Like it wouldn't have been preposterous in their world for him to like hit the hammer. Oh, I've got my confidence back and I'm big and buff again. Yeah. But it's like the fact that they didn't go that route. I'm, I'm really happy. They didn't like, like they avoided temptation. So something that probably annoyed me when I saw Thor one in the theater, like on some tiny level I'm now really happy they went with. Yeah,
2: (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's good. One thing with Thor's story that I thought, like they went too hard with like the humor part Mm -hmm. because um, people like aren't seeing that he was like traumatized, like that he basically has PTSD in this movie. They're saying that it's too much like, they don't, they think that him being like the joke is it, but I'm like, but that's what people actually do when you have that. And so it's like like the part when he's the part when he says he's having a panic attack and uh-huh. Rocket just slaps him like I was just like oh my god like I said to like my friend Carrie and I'm like never do that to me and she's like I won't but <laughs> it was crazy that he was actually having a panic attack he was like not breathing right and that's like their reaction to it and I was just like can can we not do this
0: Yeah, Marvel and the mental health stuff <laughs> And we, like that's one one joke that I was
2: like, this no, don't 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 make a joke out of him Have, like you can't just slap someone who's having a panic attack and they just magically stop.
1: This is a good point. I think I really do love Rocket and I love Bradley Cooper's version of him. Like it's weirdly made me appreciate Bradley Cooper in a way that I hadn't since Alias and kind of disliked him as an actor for a long time because of the way he's typecast. I, I I know I've talked about it before, but like his humor is so mean-spirited like you mentioned not loving characters like tony stark like i give rocket's character a pass because of the way they developed him like he's he's basically an even more extreme version of Bucky, you know, like he doesn't Mm -hmm. have any memories. He's been experimented on and abused and been made into a weapon of war against his will from being a freaking raccoon. You know, it's like, like like it sucks. But so him, him lashing out constantly, I can accept as a character quirk, but they need to show consequences of that or tone down some of the really problematic shit. Cause in addition to this, it's like repeatedly all this stuff with like stealing eyes, stealing legs and arms. It's like, (laughs) These they they sound funny to us, but like people have prosthetics and like And they need them. <laughs> yeah. It being a character quirk that's to steal people's things and make and slap them when they have trauma. It's like these are these are things that are funny in the abstract to, to someone who is, you know, neurotypical and 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 has all of their limbs and and you know is fully ambulatory. But to someone who depends on these things, it's like it be maybe maybe you could chalk it up as funny once, but it's like they're picking up on an, something that appears to be an absurdity, but it's actually, I think, it, it's it's just making fun of something for being different. Yeah, it's not an intentionally mean spirited thing, but it became that.
0: Yeah,
2: like in Infinity War, he wants to steal Bucky's arm. Right. And- yeah. And it's
1: a call back to Guardians of the Galaxy,
2: and it's like. Uh do you really like it's I'm like so he wants to steal a POW's arm. Like if yeah. he doesn't have that arm, he doesn't have another arm. So like that was weird.
1: <laughs> right. And let's face it, Bucky is essentially homeless sleeping on, you know, his friend's couch of the superhero world. You know what I mean? Like like at at this point too. Yeah. In that story.
0: He's a homeless POW vet, <laughs> like that
2: was a POW for seventy years, and you want to steal yeah. his
1: arm? Now, when you take into the account that Rocket is an escaped, you know, mental patient who's been experimented on, they all have extenuating circumstances. But like at the same time, it doesn't make it okay. It doesn't
0: mean your trauma doesn't mean you get to be a dick. Like nope. even that's kind of Rocket's mo. On the note of Rocket being a dick. <laughs> Okay, I need to address this because it it upsets me so much.
1: Yeah, you do. You do.
0: You go. So, why can't the MCU get it together and figure out that you can't treat Asian women as the butt of the joke in every fucking film that, or kill them off like without you know? I don't even have.
1: Let's literally, like, let's literally make our only Asian superhero not human. Change that from the comics, and then make her the butt of a joke for Drax, and then now for Rocket, and just in general.
0: Yeah, Rocket. Rocket can't even remember her freaking name. Like she doesn't even get mentioned by name in this he film. He goes out
1: of her way to say, like, like what, what girl? The girl with the antenna. Like, like there's a joke, but he can't remember her name. Come on, man,
0: she Like she, she has one line in the summons at the very end, and she's talking about how like she wants uh, Thor and Quill to knife fight. Oh, she wanted them to knife each other. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of funny. I, I appreciate that, but
1: <laughs> no, I, I liked, I like Palm in in the role. Like, like I like the humor she brings to it, and the even like the kind of innocent deal that they they added in the comic or from that's not present in the comics they added like I'm okay with it, but it's in the, it's in conjunction with her like in a, in a service role, you know, you know like uh, Jared,
0: I'm honestly not because it plays into that whole like, yeah, like you said, like service role. It plays into that infantilizing Asian women as not being like in control of their lives and their servants and they're subservient to men. And I don't like that. Like mm-hmm. No,
1: I was gonna say like in isolation, I could see it because there's humor or whatever in all those guardians of characters, but it's it's the overall, it's everything together, like it it is, it's gross.
2: It'd be like if if the Russo was that was playing that gay character also was wearing like a shirt with Cher on it and was talking about like going to the club or something later. Like that's like the stereotype of like a gay dude. And that's basically yeah. what they do with Asian women all the time in these movies. And it's like, can you just fucking stop?
1: It it'd be like uh Will and Grace, but you don't have Will, you only have Jack as the representation yeah of gay like yeah yeah like, like, like that's basically it yeah
0: it's it's so stupid and like they had a perfect opportunity with um from
1: Captain Marvel um oh yeah 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 a Gemma Chan's character
0: Gemma Chan like and then they killed her off like what the fuck so I, whatever I just it just it really irritates me and we'll get into this in our part two of our Endgame discussion
1: Yes, because we have a lot. I mean, it's gonna be a shorter episode, but we're gonna get into we have strong feelings.
0: <laughs> we're gonna talk more about like the Shield stuff and connections with this film.
1: Cause there's a big, there's a giant Shield connection yeah. that we're gonna get to in the next episode. Yeah.
0: Um, but honestly, like the fact that like that Agents of Shield is do has two Asian women in their main cast that have been there from the very beginning, like it just shows that like people in this in this realm know how to write complex Asian female characters, and they are just blatantly not putting that in the films. <laughs> like,
1: well, and I think I think it speaks really to who's behind the camera. Oh yeah, no matter how well intentioned the Russos are, they're two white dudes. You know, they're two straight white old white dudes. And you know who's behind the camera on Agents of Shield? Yeah, you got one straight white dude whose wife and creative partner, and writing partner, and producing partner. Is a woman of color who brings her experiences to it.
0: Yeah, she's Thai. Like she is, a, she's an Asian woman. <laughs> like,
1: uh. no, and she's awesome. Yeah. And like, like, like in both, like before having read interviews and seen her on video at panels and us seeing her speak, you know, uh, a, a month ago um, at, at WonderCon. Like, like I don't know. Like I love her, and I wish she was. She had influence on screen. I wish that Perlmutter and Iger would stop being total douchebags, which again, we'll get way into more about that in the next episode. But like, if we just have people who actually were able to bring any sort of reality instead of like well-intentioned empathy only, it's like, I believe, I believe every white, straight white dude out there should be writing gay guys into their movies. Like, absolutely, fucking lootly do it. But no gay people. Also, in movies like this, where there's more than one writer, hire people who aren't straight white (laughs) it's okay to
0: allow like women and like queer people to write straight white characters too like and people of color like yes please
2: you know i don't know if i don't know if they heard of this one movie they had come out called thor ragnarok or black panther but people seem to like those right yeah for sure thor is a no white people wrote any of that
0: Yeah. Thor is a straight white character. So is Bruce Banner, even though he plays a green man on screen. But like, I mean, that was fine. That was like one of my favorite Marvel films and a lot of people enjoyed it. Like, hello. <laughs>
1: no, they do a great job. Like, like absolutely <sighs> all these people like who whose voices have already been shown on in Marvel films and, uh, and will hopefully be shown on more and more TV shows. Like, I don't know, the Mandalorian, uh, uh, like list of directors, is makes me hopeful. I hope we have a similar list coming up for the Disney Plus series. I hope that they we have a a high quality list of people who don't all look alike. Yeah. Or have the same backgrounds. Because there's women, women of color, men, uh men of color, like like people who aren't just John Favreau. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) Um that segues perfectly into our next point. I think I just want to like, just because we had a lot of a lot of time spent on our gripes and our, our concerns in this film like I do want to re-emphasize that we did really like this film
1: and yeah. we were very
0: happy with it
1: um yeah we can be critical and still love something exactly. I, I feel like that's something that's lost a lot in the narrative just lately yeah. you know
0: like there we need to talk about the issues because they need to not happen anymore even even especially in films that we love because i want to be able to watch this and like enjoy it at home and not be irritated by like certain missteps knowing that like things have gotten better you know like i think they are getting better but
1: absolutely no and they they are but it's like the pace doesn't have to be glacial yeah exactly like like look at dc like every season they take a, they make a, a better step, you know. Like when they first started on Arrow, it's all straight people. <laughs> you know, they had uh-huh. gay actors. They had John Barrowman, is uh, an out, uh, very cool, flamboyant uh, guy, but he's playing a super straight dude named really? Malcolm Murdock, and <laughs> I cannot oh, I picture him playing
2: is. anyone who's straight at any point in his life.
1: I mean, he's still super flamboyant, like, how can be? <laughs> but, but, but he is. <laughs> No he's got daughters and everything <laughs> with, with with ladies but uh but like as the shows went on, you know they added a character who's a supporting character who's gay a supergirl uh her sister and best friend and main character like as far as supporting characters go is gay and 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 they've expanded out on each of these casts they've improved and improved and added and added now at this point on supergirl there's a main character who is a trans superhero and it's like it, it's a actually been a plot point but like done really tastefully and well done like not in an after school special way but in a like way where it's significant to her character's origin and development but not who she's about and it's like like amazing And it's a trans actor portraying her and they're taking her input i'm like so pleased and and doom patrol is even better with matt Bomer doing an amazing job as negative man and like this really great story about like being closeted in the 50s and 60s in the u.s and like negotiating that as a human today like th- like their stories i have been really well done and they're just diving into it on the DC TV and, and like literally on Shield, we mentioned it in our WonderCon episode. It was our one spoiler. They're finally introducing a gay character.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: a minor character six seasons in. Yeah. And it's like the next season of the CW will have a Batwoman show starring a lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> it's like DC is kicking our ass. I know. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> there was
0: actually another um uh gay character introduced um he's one of the inhumans um in the upcoming season season three of agents of shield that we haven't covered yet yes. so there is another mi- minor and, character, but he's right. exactly he's not like main cast at all it seems like this new character that's being introduced might be end up being part of the main cast which is cool so
1: hopefully yeah definitely yeah. there's the, the way they presented him he's at least he's gonna be important to a story yeah. arc.
0: um so anyway you know saying given that we, did, we enjoyed this film. We're allowed to criticize it, and we're allowed to hope for better in the future. Where do you guys think the MCU is headed now based on um, rumors
1: about Disney Plus shows? I want my crazy off-the-wall thing I was telling you about that I started thinking about when I was telling you, Shannon, like options for Black Widow. Because here's here's my, my pie in the sky. I, mean, I don't think they're doing this, but how cool would this be? The rumor right now, and with the casting list, seems to verify it because it's all white dudes and white women but it's an origin story for Natasha being that in the comics and it seems like in the movie she's been trained by the red room like a top secret KGB thing which also the KGB didn't exist when she was born (laughs) 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 let's not think about that much uh I mean I'm trying to think how old she is maybe it did but like not for long (laughs) for like a couple of years yeah I think she's the same age
0: as me I think she's like 32, yeah, so. 33, something like that.
1: Okay. So
0: okay. Then then yeah, four years. Yeah, in um
2: soldier it says that she was she was born in like 1984. So yeah.
1: Okay. So so but but still, like so literally the thing that the thing that trained her to be a super spy then was dissolved by the time she was five. <laughs> like, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So let's not think about that. Uh, it's just, it makes more sense than the comics where she's where she might be Anastasia. <laughs> but,
0: oh my god! But let's, not, let's not worry. That's about really that. a thing.
1: Yeah, we talked about that. Remember how there was a, a thing in World War II where she's Russian royalty and she's oh, I, like she as a little little girl, she's protected by cap. I
0: think I forgot about that or blocked it out because it was so annoying.
1: <laughs> What's well, I? No, you. You sh- surely should have. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But uh, my 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 idea is that they they're going to do this origin story. But how cool would it be? Because they did emphasize, you know, with Hulk saying, "I really tried to bring Natasha back too." But remember, everyone seemed to come back where they were. So if that if this is my crazy theory, is we have an origin story Black Widow movie, and the post credits sequence tag is Voromir two thousand fourteen. Natasha pops back into existence. She's undusted, but in space in 2014. Sci-fi epic Black Widow sequel with her coming back to Earth, fighting her way back through time and space. That would be the best,
0: I think, best case scenario. I really don't think that's going to happen, but I... (laughs) It'd
1: be so much fun. I don't think it will either, but if she signed on for more than one movie, like, like, I don't know what the details are, like people weren't convinced like they were that cap and iron man were going because of the way their contracts are mm-hmm. in the same way i think part of that was knowing that she had a movie coming but even if it's a prequel i don't think we can counter out completely with the way comics are i think it's unlikely but i don't think i don't think it's impossible that that's that's my hope, my pine sky hope
0: yeah <laughs>
1: shannon what do you what do you st- you're <laughs> I would love
2: it if she was alive still, but I don't want to get my hopes up about that. Um, oh, sure, Just because, sure. it, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. I go back and forth about what I want from that movie. I think it'd be interesting to see her, like, before she met, um, before she, like, turned good or anything like that, just to see, like, kind of what she did do. Yeah. Um, because they talk about it all the time and kind of allude to it, and ignore everything Jess Whedon said about her, um, and come up with what, like what it was like, because um, we've we've never really seen that before, and I don't know if they would want to do that because that would be difficult for people to watch, but I think it'd be interesting.
1: Well, and I mentioned to both of you guys. Uh- What I think is more realistic, and I also think they're not going to do, but should have, uh, was use this as an opportunity to diversify again and, like, introduce some stuff that they've already introduced in the comics, where they're like, hey, you know how Russia isn't even a thing the same way anymore? And, like, yeah, they're evil, but they're not communist. (laughs) They they could keep the Red Room going by expanding it to other communist countries. So they introduced – the program is international and includes uh, both Russian and Chinese members. So they introduced a new young black widow named Ying – who escapes as part of a new Wasp series. Both the current Wasp in the comics, uh, Nadia Pym, and uh, this character Ying were part of the Black Widow program, and they they escape, and she's part of this think tank of young girls that Nadia develops, which is really great. The Wasp series in general is amazing. I hope most of the characters are introduced in the MCU. But basically, they have this already written and developed character who is a uh, a Chinese uh, expatriate, uh, like a communist, uh, an ex communist, like like refugee basically from a super secret, you know, military organization who wants to do good, just like Natasha, and is a teenage Chinese uh, immigrant and a lesbian with a girlfriend named Shay Smith, who is the daughter of basically like their version of Beyonce, <laughs> like the Marvel <laughs> Universe version of Beyonce, and is also a, a super genius scientist, a whiz kid, and like why aren't these characters in these movies? <laughs> like, like, why isn't she going to be a protege of Natasha's introduced to take over when instead all the casting notices are blonde ladies? It's like, oh, they're going to introduce Yelena Belova, the second black widow in the comics. Who's a blonde lady uh, and a Russian. lady. Course. It's like, I don't care. And also Belova, that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I, yeah, I think we discussed the, um, Sam as cap, um, what the Disney plus film could be like him eventually taking on that mantle. Um, so Valkyrie uh, is now queen of Asgard. Did they announce that they're doing a show with Valkyrie? No,
1: no. Hmm.
0: I wish I wonder I mean, obviously I, I mean like Tessa Thompson is a fan favorite. Valkyrie is a fan favorite. <laughs> like,
1: I kind of, I kind of hope a show, a movie mm-hmm. would be right. Yeah. I'd see a Valkyrie movie in a second. Same. Um, and there's a lot
0: of uh, queer representation, storytelling potential there as well. For
1: sure. And I think that there's also the potential for uh, her to be a leading role if they do go with the uh, A-Force yeah. poten- potential, uh, a spinoff film f- uh, featuring the women introduced, you-, you know, in that team-up scene. It'd be pretty rad to do a sequel Avengers movie that is the badass ladies of uh, the MCU. And I could see her and Carol kind of leading the charge there. Yeah, I would love that. Do we have anything else? In uh, in your notes, you mentioned Loki, which we sort of mentioned a little bit, like, I just don't know what to make of that (laughs) ending part, because, like, uh, he's never trustworthy, but he always wants to do good, you know?
2: That's him also, like, at his, like, worst, because that's, like, that's the Loki before him and Thor, like, made peace in Ragnarok, and all of that that's when he's still like really angry at everybody so i'm like what what he's somewhere
1: no the fact that they the fact that they introduced that either makes me think it's going to tie directly into the loki series or we're never going to figure it out like we will never ever hear from it again
2: it has to tie into the loki series because they made him alive again if for no other reason than for that
1: but well, right no that that would that would work and I mean, you'd think that the Russos, at the very least, the Russos' names are going to be on at the very least the Winter Soldier and Falcon show, and they're going to ha- be making money. We're going to be receiving paychecks because <laughs> they made the Winter Soldier, that movie that introduced both. But like, I would think because of that, knowing, like that logic and knowing that, maybe they are involved. Maybe you're right, and it, like does just lead directly into it. I, I hope it it does, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm also very skeptical about the TV shows even even knowing they're doing them <laughs>
0: speaking speaking of being skeptical skeptical about the TV shows okay WandaVision has been announced
1: vision <laughs> vision is not
0: back so what is what is that going to be
1: the way it ended in Infinity War they were ready when he left off sure he had just figured out how to have him operate without the mind stone so even though the mindstone's destroyed, she could I think Shuri could fix him.
0: But so are they just going to like make a new vision or are they going to like go back in time and and fix vision without the have him be without the mindstone and then bring him
1: back? I'm so I confused. Don't even know. Like what? Well, well well he was he was left like a a husk with it ripped he off. He was like yeah. super dead. So theoretically she could she could fix him and like this could tie into, it seems like they're going off the newer Tom King, uh, vision series as an inspiration. Although that didn't include Wanda. That was about vision and a bunch of robots. Yeah. Like he created a new family. Uh, it was, it was a really good, it's a really good, but also a really sad story. It, it also is short-sighted and really fucks up a, a, a Latino character like, that oh, they didn't God. need to do who's since been redeemed by another writer, but it was unfortunate. Uh, but I, I think it could take cues from this like classic uh, story arc that was in the West Coast Avengers right when I first started reading comics. But the vision had been disassembled and put back together. And when it happened, he had lost a connection to all of his emotions. Okay. And at the time, he had been married to Wanda. They had kids. And in this, they'd just gotten engaged. So it could be about that okay like i don't know i was just but like i'm really I, curious I was
0: like what are they how are they gonna do this like i'm so confused no i
1: i was sure he'd be back by the end I? <laughs> I was sure of it because of the announcement and that was like i think this is the first time like since before infinity war where there's been something like where i'm like super confused about something going forward like i don't know I, in a weird way, I'm like the little kid who uh, at the end of our showing, I, 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 I told Jess because uh, I sat right behind her. The kid sitting behind me was with his dad, and he had to be like eight or nine. And as we're getting up to leave because we'd already seen it once, he goes, "We got to stay because there's definitely going to be something <laughs> after the credits." And like he was sure there was going to be a scene at the end of the credits. I mean, and there is something, but. I don't know how impressive the clanging is going to be to an eight-year-old. <laughs> you're like, what is this? <laughs> like, where's my scene? <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. I
2: I had that happen. I went and saw it again yesterday with my friend Brett. He wasn't there when, when Carrie, my friend Carrie and I saw it on Thursday. And he was, like, convinced that there was a post-credit scene. And we were both like, no, <laughs> there's not. And I was like, what is a post-credit scene going to show yeah. after the ending of this movie? There's nothing. Like there's not, there's nothing to like them to tease forward because this was the end. Like, and it took us like (laughs) 10 minutes of explaining. Like, I feel like this was like, uh, we were like personification of mansplaining that he was like, so sure that we were wrong and we saw the movie (laughs) on Thursday (laughs) and Carrie, like we always read to see like how many post-credit scenes there are, um, Carrie reads the comics, so she usually explains them to me. So we always look it up before we go see a Marvel movie. And she and I was like, oh, by the way, I looked it up and there isn't any. And she was like, okay. And he would not believe us until we were finally like, we're just going to get up and leave. Like, we didn't say that. But we were just like, this is stupid. And we were like, okay, we can sit in these comfortable seats for a couple more minutes.
1: <laughs> I've been looking it up before every Marvel movie since Guardians of the Galaxy 2. when I saw it with Blake because I was like reading about it ahead of time and they're like yes there are five closing credit sequences I'm like you gotta be <laughs> fucking kidding me and there were but so at this point i have to check to find out what's crazy is when i'm in a movie that has nothing to do with any of this shit and somebody is like trying to convince the other people they're with like there's probably oh, yeah. an after credit sequence and i'm like maybe guys it's not yeah like, i don't think this is the guarantee you think it is i, I, I remember It was Nolan, I think, when people were talking to him about Dunkirk. Somebody asked him, Do you have a post-credit sequence in Dunkirk? He was so mad. He was like, I will never do a post-credit sequence. Like they're stupid. Like he he just went off on them. And it was so funny because like I don't I'm not like against them, but I do get his irritation that like that Marvel movies have somehow like they're not Guys. in everything. <laughs> like, like expecting them expecting them in a Marvel movie, I think, makes perfect sense. But expecting them after the next James Bond is kind of a leak. <laughs> like, like, you're just, it's- and like that's
2: that's funny because when I saw The Force Awakens for the first time, I like stood up and there were people in like my row that were like, is there p-? I'm like, there's no post credit scenes after Star Wars. <laughs> and just like caught up and left.
0: <laughs> Although Star Wars always Star Wars always has like the end, um it's like the um the soundtrack always has something cool at the very end of the credits. Like there's always like a little something. So I get staying for a Star Wars film for that, but it's definitely not a post credit scene. Like it is specifically soundtrack related. No. <laughs> like
1: I think I do remember what Shannon's talking about though, like speculation online, like is there gonna be one in Force oh, Awakens? God. I think
2: Like I remember JJ had to say there wasn't one because people were wondering since it was another Disney movie.
1: And I remember thinking, like I could even see, you know, one of the spinoffs if if Han Solo hadn't killed those, uh, but uh, uh, but not in a saga movie, not in J.J. Abrams' first saga movie, in the one that's like his love letter to his childhood. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna copy John Favreau. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna copy my peer, not you know the thing that I'm making this movie about. Like, I, no, um. The clanging was kind of cool. I don't know. I'd like to imagine it's uh, it's it's Riri in Chicago
2: Ooh. making her iron
1: heart armor. And there's nothing to indicate that, but I would definitely like to believe that.
2: You can go on and believe it until they tell you otherwise. Right, right. right? This
0: could be your headcanon. It's totally cool. Um, any closing thoughts on the film that we need to get off our chest?
1: Oh, uh, don't take pot shots at Back to the Future if you don't have a fucking airtight time travel watch. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this- I am I'm one of many. <laughs> like, I am not alone.
2: <laughs> Hot Tub Time Machine. Hot Tub
1: Time Machine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Everyone who hasn't seen Hot Tub Time Machine, if you listen to us, you definitely like the MCU. You probably like Winter Soldier as a character, the movie, Bucky, Sebastian Stan, maybe. <laughs> Go see it right now. Right now. He's a crazy 80s <laughs> uh, like dick. He's the the classic '80s teen movie. Okay, thing. just and- just
2: I listened to our old episode uh, from Valentine's Day the other day before <laughs> I saw the movie, and we talk about it. And so I looked up gifts, and there's one where he says, "I don't allow ski shenanigans like this on my mountain." And I was like, "You, Sebastian Stan said the word ski shenanigans." <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> and
1: he's like too bad for you because I'm a patriot I was just like his character's defining characteristics is he's like he's pro-America and his story arc is, is all about being paranoid about the Cold War he's the Winter Soldier like this before he was cast as the Winter Soldier it's like they went it's like these guys who made the time travel comedy went through time to make these jokes, it's, it's amazing. So funny. Oh my also, re- weirdly speaking of Hot Tub Time Machine, I'm gonna plug uh, Cobra Kai because that show is preposterously good for what it is. It's it's totally got not perfect. It's got some problematic issues, of course, like everything does. But it's it's way better than it has any right to be, and it's made in part by those two guys. By the Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh my guys. god. <laughs> <laughs> No, the three the three people who made it are the two guys who made Harold and Kumar uh, go to White Castle and those movies, and the guy who did Hot Tub Time Machine. The three of them teamed up and brought back Karate Kid because they all grew up loving it because they're barely That's older great. than me.
2: It's kind of awesome. Someone bring back the Mighty Ducks now.
1: Ooh, it's the <laughs> right time. <laughs> <laughs> We're <are> <gasps> those someones. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, I guess the main thing I can say about this movie is, even though it sounds like I didn't, I really did really like this movie. Um, I just wish that my favorite character wasn't so freaking tragic. Yeah. Like, <laughs> during this last, uh, during this the, like the last episode we did, I said like I don't want them to end up separated, and that's exactly what happened. Aww. So I was like, oh great. <laughs> like I'm really glad that Sebastian Stan has like four more movies on his. In his contract, they signed, like, a nine-movie contract with him back in, like, 2011.
1: I do wonder if, like, with new media stuff... If that would – if the show will count as that.
2: Yeah, I don't know.
1: And if it does, like what does that count as – would it count as like three movies because it's like six hours (laughs) or two two Avengers?
2: I am really glad that they told us about the show because otherwise this would be way worse if I didn't know that there was at least going to be a show where he would talk for more than 30 seconds and (laughs) that was three hours long. (laughs) Like I'm never going to get over that. But like at least I know for sure that on that show like it was – Like, it's kind of funny because people thought it was going to be, like, a buddy cop show. But now it seems like it's going to be, like, a show where he is teaching Sam how to be Captain America. And I do really like that because he is the best person to teach him that. But I just wish that it didn't have to be so freaking – that he didn't have to be alone. (laughs) Ah, Maybe one day they'll let him not be alone. (laughs) But otherwise, I really, really love this movie. Well, he's not alone.
1: Well, they have each other too. Sam, Sam, and Bucky now get to be yeah. come closer. Like I don't know. I, maybe yeah, maybe they'll fall in love. With me.
2: <laughs> it was kind of funny. They like they had them like each other out of nowhere. Like they were like you said before, they were like adversarial, especially because I think Sam didn't like didn't trust him um, because of all the stuff that was happening around with him. So they went from being like really adversarial, kind of weird friends because they have Steve in common to like at 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 like um Tony's funeral like Sam is like um comforting Bucky and I'm like this is weird but I really like it (laughs) that like they're now like really close and Sam like asked his permission before taking on like the Captain America shield and things like that like I really like those things but I'm like when did this happen
1: (laughs) For me, I don't know when it finalized. I think it began when they are both giving him shit for kissing Sharon.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine at least that like uh, that some of that probably happened when they were all hiding out. Like Sam hadn't been to Wakanda before because he was surprised by how it shows up, but they could have talked any other kind of way with technology in between during like that time when they're all on the run. So Definitely. that I can at least make like come up with that answer pretty quickly. <laughs> So I'm basically really looking forward to that show and kind of can't believe that show is actually a reality. And I can't wait for Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie to go on every like talk show because they are hilarious. If no one's ever seen any of their interviews, just put them on YouTube and look them up. Oh
0: my God. They're like, gripes they, uh, with Tom Holland. Tom Holland.
2: Are- <laughs> They have this whole like running joke that they hated Tom Holland during the film, during like the press for Civil War. So there's all of these like interviews where they're on the carpet and then Sebastian Stan is like, is that Tom Holland? I hate that guy. (laughs) And he looks so serious. And they like walk away from the interview and leave.
1: I know I've seen something where I think it was for Infinity War where there were a bunch of people on at once, and, and both Tom Holland and, and uh, Mackie were there. And like he was giving him shit, like, like you could tell a little bit more, but he wasn't serious. But he was sort of playing it straight that he hated him. Yeah, <laughs> like, they was just like, we seriously <laughs> were
2: playing it straight. Like they were in an interview, being like, there's something wrong with that kid. He like asks us to, he needs juice, <laughs> <laughs> he like refuses to do this. He has to have his own trailer, and he asks us to get him like special water, and and like making him sound like this huge diva. <laughs> and all this kind no, of I, I
1: think I remember like seeing memes and gifs of it before but only the two of them so when I did see it first like a couple of years later uh, in promotion for Infinity War and it was actually with Tom Holland <laughs> there I was kind of like whoa like they, they're not fucking around I mean they are but they're like they're, they, they, they're committed to the bit
2: one thing that was funny too is that during the Infinity War like press interviews there's this one interview where they were making fun of Benedict Cumberbatch's name oh yeah and they just kept saying they said like six things in a row that wasn't his name and I can't remember what they all said but I was like dying laughing and I hate like press interviews like I don't watch when it can be like my favorite like John Boyega would be on a talk show and I will not watch it I don't watch any of the press for anything even if it's my favorite thing but with those when those pop up, I ha- I know I have to watch it because they're ridiculous. They're so funny.
0: They're so funny. You can tell that like off screen, they definitely have a rapport and it's going to yeah. be great to have them in a show together. I'm super excited too. Yeah. They're
2: going to have like the time of their lives
0: doing that. They are. They're just going to be shitting on Tom Holland like on set every day. Shitting <laughs> on like everyone who ever yeah. talks and to Benet- them pretty much. Benet- ben- 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 Benadryl Cumberbatch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right. On that note, thank you so much, Shannon, for joining us for this. Um, it's always great to have you on. You're always welcome. Um, you need to actually watch Agents of Shield <laughs> so you can be on a, a regular episode.
2: <laughs> Maybe one day I'll actually watch the show so that I can actually listen.
1: We're definitely going to do more. Uh, we'll do more M- MCU movies. Oh, too, for sure. Even ones where we we we've, we've already kind of resigned ourselves to. We'll make up reasons when we don't have them. I'm sure. Yeah. Where <laughs> like- the,
2: what is the next? MCU movie. I don't even know. Spider-Man. When does it come out? July.
1: We're definitely doing it because it's got Maria Hill and and, uh, Nick Fury. It's not even bullshit. It's a real reason. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It is. Nick Fury hating that he has to talk to a teenager, it seemed like.
0: <laughs> He's a big softie underneath it all. We all know it.
1: <laughs> Dude, Ned Ned
2: wait, Ned's face. Ned's face at the end of the movie when oh, he I hugs know. um Peter and he no, just starts sobbing really I was like, Oh you sweetie. I that was like a It
1: also made me it made me really appreciate how good Battleon is. Jacob Battleon is as, as an actor because that guy I've seen him recently in real life because that's all a wig. He's he's like older than Holland by a couple years. So he's like a twenty five year old with a shaved head. Really, I, I'm like, yeah, he looks and he, and he holds he carries himself. He's like a um, Christopher Reeves. Christopher Reeves like gained. Two inches from Clark, to, or from when he was playing Clark to when he's playing Superman, he stood his full height as Superman, but he hunched over in such a way that every, when he was Clark, he measured in at like six foot. That's crazy. And I feel like Babylon does the same thing because he looks like this. Like he looks like a freaking like a football player. Or like he looks like a badass <laughs> in real life, but like seeing him, he looked like the same height as Holland, and like just the way he was carrying himself, he just looks like this meek, sweet kid, and the look on his face, Aww. like. I was I just maybe really appreciate both their relationship and just like wow, Patilan's like just as like physical acting is incredible. Like that without Mm -hmm. even saying a word, I'm like he looks he looks like ten years younger, but he really is. It's amazing. He is adorable. That scene
0: shattered me, and I know there's going to be repercussions in Far From Home, and I'm not going to be able to handle it because they're just little traumatized babies and there's
1: okay. (laughs) All those kids in the trailer for Far From Home had to also be dusted. But here's my question: What about May? Was she? (sighs) <sighs> she has to live five years without him My heart <laughs> So awful
2: Oh and I Speaking of people who were dusted I got ridiculously upset when I saw the first time I saw the movie That like Luis was on like the vanished One of the vanished Yes, things, And I was like no Like my friend and I were actually like no No <laughs>
1: I'm just glad you told me that because when he went to the the vanished thing, like when he went to the the tribute in San Francisco, because of my angle, I couldn't see it. And I was so pissed then when he was at the Avengers. I'm like, listen, I get that we're not going to get Michael Peña in the movie, but I need some acknowledgement of Luis. Like, I love that character so much. And he and Scott – like. Like it's it's his fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his damn time machine, you know. Like give the guy some credit, but uh, yeah, um, I'm glad that they at least at least gave him a shout out. I because I do get they had to juggle a whole lot. Yeah. They couldn't include my favorite side characters.
2: I still think that he uh, should have done like the previously on Avengers,
0: like.
1: Oh, oh my oh, god i've been saying that since before civil war i like that i would love that maybe that'll be like, in I, a I, special
0: like edition dvd release that should be on the blu-ray yeah, should be for on the like, blu-ray. for far from
1: home <laughs> for the whole like phase four for the complete <laughs> phase four he should he should do as a rundown
2: it'll be like 45 minutes long and i'll be like just keep going this is
1: no, it should be a feature length. They yeah. just make an. Ad, just put it out in theaters. Like it's commentary. Just, it's just everyone acting it out, but him narrating yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and all the actors. Oh my god! Oh my, oh my god! god. Would be the best thing in the world. It'd be so good. Like, so please, yeah, yeah, do this, please. Someone
0: please do this. It's like you know movie commentary, but Louis style. Like, oh my god.
1: Oh, I wish I, I wish I had the money to fund this. I would just pay Michael Penn I know. I would speed up all these movies and I'd edit it myself. I'd-
0: oh, amazing. Someone's going to do something like that, you know, in in his in his honor. Oh,
1: if someone doesn't, it's a Another missed opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Although that was another one for for, for uh, representation because they did have them kind of redeemed at the end. Um, Bill Foster and Ghost, right? Yeah. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Hashtag yeah. missed so,
2: opportunities like, just to bring it back to Star Wars. W-
1: w- <laughs> yeah. In the comics, Ugh. in the comics, he is a he's he's a badass. He's Goliath slash the unfortunately named Black Goliath. At oh times. God! <laughs> and, but like he yeah yeah he but he could have been in the movie giant size you know with with scott it would have been awesome i kind of i kind of also wished uh, that we would have had uh hank and and uh and Jan that we would have had uh, the older oh, pim and Van Dyne yeah. in their suits, yeah. I think I, I I was slightly disappointed we didn't get old school Ant Man and Wasp there as well, but again, maybe they
0: it. were off building another time machine because they knew that they were going to need it because all the time machines have been destroyed.
1: <laughs> well, in my head, he had to create new pim particles to replace the old yeah, ones, exactly, because they didn't have a, a stash. Because they
0: stole
2: like all of them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because Steve Steve was like, oh shit. Grab
2: a handful of those. I'm just, let me just grab like seven of them.
0: Yeah. All right, guys, where can uh, the people find you on social media, Shannon?
2: Um, they can find me on Twitter at ShannonJoy26. And how about you, Jared?
0: I still nothing. <laughs> you can find me at Space Jess with four S's in the jests. You can find the podcast at Project Tahiti on Twitter. You can send us an email at ProjectTahitiPod at gmail.com. We are now officially available on Google Play. Yay! So, all you Android users don't have to use a weird app to find our podcast. You can just go on Google Play and we're there. Sorry that took so long, but here we are, <laughs> Chris D'Or. You can now listen Chris to this podcast um, and make sure you rate and review us on iTunes. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to this special episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Thank you. Bye.
1: <laughs> Bye.